All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I have my co-host, Jaden, and former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And I just want to say, boy, oh boy, do we sound good now. Fantastic. So we just upgraded uh, our microphones, uh, a new mixer, like got this new equipment. And, you know, I think we earned it, boys. I think yeah. I think this so, sounds great. And I, yeah. I think for every week for the last month, we were like, I feel like we're really hitting our stride. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt like, yeah, like we should we should sound like we're hitting a stride. Yeah, and I think we I think we do. I, um, I think I still sound like Squidward, but that's fine. That's okay, dude. It's, it's I like, still feel like I sound like Stoner Rain Man. Yeah. So well, at okay. least now it's in high definition. Yeah. Now we can really <laughs> hear our flaws. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really hear how bad we are. <laughs> All right. And so this is our review of The Green Knight. <laughs> Holy shit. This movie is bad. I didn't think there was anything worse than The Village. And boom, another great movie, another movie with a great trailer. And it turns out to be a film about a man walking around the entire film. And spoke for about 15 mins. If you have ever played Oblivion, imagine traveling to the next city without a horse. If you ever watched Castaway, this is Castaway Part 2. Aside from scenes that left, uh, leave you scratching your head, this movie was so bad, a true couple next to me actually joined me in our viewing party. A complete stranger during COVID was okay talking to me about the scenes. We were all laughing. It was so bad. As the movie ended... No way I could leave now. I was so invested. LOL. Ain't no damn way this movie was cleared for release. Uh, I know for damn sure someone owed someone a favor. LOL. This was the Casey album P. Diddy released. <laughs> that shit sounded exactly like someone owed someone a favor. If you absolutely hate someone, tell them this is a great movie, then smile and wait. Turn your ringer off, skip town, and check that your homeowner's insurance is up to date because they fixing to burn your shit down. <laughs> and it was written by Anonymous. I wouldn't claim that shit either. <laughs> <laughs> so that is not our actual review of it. No, that is not the way we feel. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I have like almost the complete opposite like, feeling about it. I think he says, I think what he's saying is right. Like... I, I describe it similarly, but I just enjoyed it. Uh, this is that was a review I found on Google by Aaron Chambers. So <laughs> if you if you if you think that that's how what this movie is, you're not going to like our review of it. I don't think because uh, we have a much higher opinion of this movie. I think I'd say so. Yeah, but don't worry. We sh- we should probably have a similar amount of jokes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he says it's it's written by anonymous. <laughs> like the the movie. It's the the poem that the film is based on is anonymous anonymous yeah. the film is not actually written or directed by anonymous <laughs> like, i love that he attributes it like to, to someone that just wouldn't take a like wouldn't claim this as their own work i think yeah. it's just the silliest shit i've ever heard yeah i think and i think that what's fun about that review is like he 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 invested he was invested in the review even yeah. like it was like he was like oh, i'm gonna have fun with this review because i have to have something to come on this experience right yeah. <laughs> so uh david lowry directed this and he also did one of my favorite movies a ghost story and if you read like kind of your general fans review of that it's similar it's also it's just like this is so boring nothing happens why did i waste my time on this like it, i thought i hit pause and left the room and it was on the same scene turns out it was just taking so long like it's it's similar review to like uh, th- this makes no sense to me it's a head scratcher I just think that that's an example of maybe the viewer not knowing what they were getting into 
Yeah, like, I feel so, like yeah. this is the movie. Like you can't just like go see this movie and expect. Uh, you have to expect like what you're going to see. It's, you know what it's, I mean? It's artsy. It's it's yeah. It's film festival movie. This yeah. isn't you know blockbuster. Like we, the last movie we went and saw and then reviewed immediately was Black Widow, which is a much different movie than this. Completely is. different. Completely. I was excited to see this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so I like David Lowry, and so I, I, I at least like a ghost story. I he did Pete's Dragon before that, and then he's doing the new Peter Pan movie, which is so crazy to me. He's he switches between genres. Yeah, he also yeah. did a movie well, called uh, My Mom Smokes Weed. Yeah, right. Yeah, shout out Janet. Yeah. <laughs> so he he's able to move between genres pretty well, I think, because I think this is good, and it's a different kind of movie than a ghost story was. It's certainly different than Pete's Dragon. Yeah, it's weird to see that he has um, these both films, The Ghost Story and uh, Green Knight, bookended by Disney remakes. Isn't that odd? Yeah, I, I was like, wow, he's like he kind of gets to do his own artsy film when he wants to, and then he's like, now I'm gonna cash in. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna get cash in on this Disney film. So. Yeah, and what's funny is he actually wrote uh, The Green Knight, like thinking that he couldn't. He had another project that he wanted to do, but he was like, okay, what what was something that I can write quickly? Um, and get greenlit and he was like okay well i really enjoyed like the the green knight when i read in college he's like and he put air quotes it's like red like i, right. I, sk- I skimmed that shit like <laughs> <laughs> i was in college and so like it's it's really interesting comparing the poem um to what he actually made and it's i i, I love uh where he went with all of it i did i describe it as like i didn't know it was going to be quite so high-minded uh i thought it was going to be more I mean, even like, um, I know eventually we're going to talk about Midsummer. Um, I felt like this was even more high minded than Midsummer. I think Midsummer was meant to be, um, weird and uncomfortable. This felt like it achieved that. Yeah, Yeah, it did. (laughs) But this had so much else going on that I know we're, I know I'm going to, I'm going to be frustrated in like two weeks being like, oh my gosh, we missed everything. We missed the whole point of the film because there is, there's just, there's so many things embedded in it. Right. I, I agree. And and so we're going to start off with non-spoilers and then we'll kind of dive into at least what we caught from it. But I for sure think that this is a, this is a movie that needs to be revisited to really get it. But I think just right off the bat, like I initially liked it. I mean, it's a story I wasn't familiar with because I went into it. I think Jane and I both, we didn't read the poem. Yeah, I had, I had, I didn't, I didn't read the synopsis. I skipped all the trailers. I wanted to go into this completely blind. I mean, I had high expectations because it was done by A24. Um, but yeah, and I think it, I think, it, I think it got it done. So right, it yeah. it it poked all my buttons. Yep. Right. Yeah. No, I, I knew you were going to be excited to see this, but yeah, uh, I don't know if you saw me steepling my hands throughout the whole. Film. Yeah. Yeah. No, you were <laughs> so, excited. Yeah. There were so many things that I saw that was just like, but um, nods to other uh, scenes and styles that I've seen um, historically. There's um, this film called The Turin Horse. Like, and if you think this movie is slow and uninteresting, I. I would I would dare you to to watch the opening scene from the Turin Horse, and you will see the influence here. But it is, we describe that film as 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 film students after watching it, as impressively slow. Yeah, <laughs> one of my classmates it sounds like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, it, it was because she was like my classmate was talking, telling the teacher she was like at one point you know I looked to my left and Calvin and Zach were asleep and I looked to my right and Cody and Mike were were also asleep and <laughs> and if you and I looked everywhere else and nobody else was actually in the theater so I don't know where the rest of the class was. It was there were like ninety of us and like ten of us showed up that wow. morning. It was nine in the morning. We watched honestly one of the slowest films i've ever seen there's 26 shots it's over two hours long wow the first scene 
is like a five, six minute tracking shot of a horse. And it was like that first minute. It got to that minute mark and we were like, oh no. <laughs> this is going to be the whole thing, huh? Yeah. And so there, there's there's a few tracking shots like that. That The, the first horse shot actually of him uh, coming out is... Uh, of the castle is very is almost identically uh, placed where the camera was in the touring horse. So it was a nice little, you know, little film nod to to weirdos like me. Right. Uh, so yeah. So like my thoughts on it is I, I would agree. It it's slow, but it's not uninteresting. It's I I think I would have maybe like like it paced a little quicker. Um, but it's certainly not a bad looking film. It's re- there's there's some really good like long like sustained shots that are are really good and they they set kind of the mood for what's going on i think everything is framed really well like the there's there's not Mm -hmm. shots that feel out of place to me ever and uh i i've mentioned this before that i think if if you want to have a film that's like genuinely good looking you should be able to pause it at any point and the frame should be like something you'd want to hang out on your wall and i think this like picture it, it captures that really well there's not something that i think looks bad in this and uh I don't know if we want to get into it more later, but uh, the wardrobe, all the all the costumes are yeah, amazing. That was in this. Awesome, you know, I didn't pay as much attention to those because those that that part of my filmmaking process was always like secondary to everything else. Um, so I don't pay as t- much attention to. It, so I will yeah. defer to you. Well, even just like the wear and tear on his. Yeah, on his I think part of it was the movie. part of it because I I knew I knew I'm not going to capture all the story elements on one viewing. So I was still looking for other things I liked in it, and mm-hmm. it, it, the whole the costumes and everything make the whole. The per- it make it feel like it fits in the period. It, it all feels really authentic, so I really like that. Uh, I think all the performances are really good. Um, I love the language too, uh, especially like one of uh, King Arthur's first speeches. Is uh, I love the way that I'm pretty sure that was Sean Harris, right? Sean Harris was. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I have it written. Yeah, down. Sean Harris. Yeah, he he just has. He played that character so well and so interestingly and with just the right cadence and poetic quality to his voice. It was it was really fun to have that intercut with um, you know, the other the other scenes that were happening around because that was with uh when he was cutting back and forth to uh Garwin's mother. Which apparently I I don't have a great grasp of I think this is Middle English. I mean it's spelled Gawain, G A W A I N. I thought they, they were saying with an R. Right? They kept saying Garwin. Yeah. And I honestly think that's the Middle English I think is even more confusing than um our English because yeah. it looks I it looks Scandinavian, but then it doesn't follow any of the, the normal phonetic pattern patterns that I would expect the letters or, you know, the the characters actually to sound like. So I have no clue. Uh, but yeah, like that. Like I said, the performances are great. Um, yeah, I thought he uh, he was good, Sean Harris, because I I think the last couple things I've seen him in is uh, the Mission Impossible movie. That's the only things I've ever seen. Where he's like in. he's a bad guy. He's like this kind of really smart, conniving bad guy, and he's like he seems like a really caring, almost like a father figure at points in this. Yeah, very old man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I liked seeing him in that because everything I've seen him in is is, is a villain. And I, uh, admittedly, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff, but the, what I have seen is a villain. So he played a totally different character, and I think he nailed it. Uh, Barry Cogan is great in this. I thought the scene season absolutely stole him. I, I thought, thought he, he was did great. great Unreal. Well. That yeah. whole shot where he was first introduced, did you notice how long that went on it's for? A, it's yeah, just that's a what giant I'm monologue, yeah. and it was, it was so interesting. Um, I want to well, get into the scene more later, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wanted to yeah. talk about some of his mannerisms and characteristics. Yeah, they're so, they're not like, they're not, 
they didn't feel staged. They felt so organic. And that's why the camera just like the camera loved him. It felt like that could have been a shot that was cut together, but he did it so well. They're like, oh yeah, keep going. Yeah. yeah. I want all of this. Yeah, this like, is a perfect take. Like I said, the, there's really good long takes on this, which those are to me like the highlights are these long takes that take place. Uh, there's some, there is slow pacing throughout this, but then they have these really long takes where there's some really good dialogue delivered. And uh, those are like to me the highest. And some really long takes where there's no dialogue delivered. They're also fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All in all, like I don't know what a uh, what this Chambers guy is talking about. His review. I mean, I get it. I get. It. You can say this movie's this movie's pretty heady, and and there's a lot of concepts I'm sure I wasn't tracking on, and and bits and pieces that I'll pick up on later. But just to watch it in a, as a whole, like I, I mean, you can track the story on the surface level enough that it can be interesting to you, and it's just visually, it's, I'm it's, sorry, it's visually, great to look at. visually, it's interesting enough to. I mean, capture, I would think, a wide audience, at least. Yeah. I think... I, I think, even like the movie poster, when I see that, I'm like, dude, that thing looks sweet. Like, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. does. Exactly. And I think I think you need to go into this film not thinking about um, whether you're going to get a cohesive story, because a lot of people are going to be um, frustrated with the ending if you're not enamored with the look of the film, the look and the sound, all of these, these other qualities that are really enjoyable, I think on your first time through are going to are, are going to be the point they're going to be the things that you really like because you may or may not understand the ending because there's going to be a lot of interpretations especially like me knowing like how the poem ended i think it actually ends differently even though i had like a sense of what i was expect i had to set a set of expectations because of it but going but ending it I like oh wow this is this is very different um i have some theories about it but if it's not quite your Hollywood ending. It's not even like uh, there are so many weird endings that I can think of that this doesn't really even fit in with. There's a lot of other things that you need to understand what the film is saying in order for it to be satisfying. It it almost feels like it has like two endings, and I was like, oh, I was like, maybe oh, three, yeah, yeah. But it's partway through. I was like, oh, you're kind of losing me. You're kind of losing me. And then it it ties it all back in and it yeah it, it, it the, the film finishes off really well mm-hmm. so yeah my I, I would recommend you go see this just a my spoiler free review this is a this is a go see I, I would mean, say so as well if, if you want to spend the time to you know and, and you don't care about watching things blow up or I don't know seeing hot maybe if you want to take a break from that stuff yeah if you Even don't want to see just an action action head or just a comedy dude like this yeah. is a movie that's different maybe you open your palate a little yeah if you want to expand your mind and stop watching like fast and furious yeah let's all great, stop watching those please this is a, <laughs> yeah, please i don't i don't need more i, I figured that that would be it'd be a one and done and then it was a trilogy i'm like oh my god what it do you mean a, there's eight i mean tokyo it, drift was awesome <laughs> that franchise has spawned two spinoffs because huh? it has Tokyo Drift and Calvin and Hobbes. It has, yeah. it has spawned two spinoffs. <laughs> it's not Calvin and Hobbes, but yeah. Oh, it's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. I, I just don't care about that franchise yeah, there, so it's much. Bad. It's, 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 it's bad. It is just because I'm sitting across from yeah. you, and that's where you were going with it. What well, is It's Hobbes and what? Right? Hobbes and Shaw. Yeah. yeah. That's They're, not even close. So wait. So <laughs> Fast, Hobbes. Fast and Furious <laughs> has as many like chronological films as Star Wars does, and it has spawned almost as many spinoffs as Star Wars has. Fast uh, and Furious is as yeah. successful yeah, as Yeah, you're Star right. Wars, yeah. Which is disgusting. I mean, not nearly yeah. as much money made, but as far as like products put out, yeah, you're correct. <laughs> That's awful. It is gross. It's, and they're probably going to do crossover Jurassic Park soon, so. A, a what? Yeah, that's being in the works. Is they're going to fight dinosaurs with cars? 
I can't tell if you're being serious. I'm being dead oh serious. I mean, it's like a rumor that I've read on the internet, but it's been going around for like two years now. I just hope they like crank up the camp to the highest level. Is it not camp enough? Like, they, they like, <laughs> but it's they but, drive but they cars think, across like airplane wings and like, like, they went to state. They ducked. So I have not seen. I don't know how many when the last Fast Furious movie I saw was or how I paid attention or I don't care about them. But I do know for a fact that Ludacris and uh, Tyrese fly a car into space in this movie I and they, they duct tape it together. Yeah, because that's how, yeah. That's that how makes it would sense. work, yeah. yeah. I buy that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> oh my God. Let's talk about a good movie. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, I don't have any more. But this is a, is this a, what are your thoughts on it, Calvin? Is this a good, this is an easy recommend for you, I assume? Yeah, I would describe it as um, medieval Arthurian journey art house romp. That's a lot. That's just like wandering through oblivion without a horse to from <laughs> city to city. That's basically yeah. what you described. No, Walking that, yeah. through the desert Except with like, a horse with no name. Which but you said is much is more like, articulate and it's actually accurate. Yeah. But the, yeah. And, but the, but the thing is, is too, is like some people like doing that in oblivion. Like people, some people have like hundreds and thousands of hours in, or like hundreds of hours in Skyrim because they just like the world. They like, they like being in it. Like, and that's sometimes where we, where you need to think of films and art in general is it's, a, it's a state of being, you're, you're not looking just for to be fed a story. You're trying to learn something from it, either from the images or from the style itself. Um, and I don't think that the the story necessarily needs to be there. I think there's this is a really cool story with a lot of really interesting interpretations and a lot of different uh, medieval elements, including like our our modern uh, film influence as well. So, I I yeah that like that's where I put it is like sometimes things are okay to be slow and to be taken in and not to have uh, an, a specific point, but this still does. Like That's, that's why the, the uh, yeah, the pacing's not the end of the world for me. Like, yeah, it, it, it is slow and I can recognize that, but it's not the end of the world. It's like you said, sometimes people just enjoy being in the world and this film gives you plenty of time to breathe and be in it for sure. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, the pacing is not, I'm not, it's not like a, I'm not critiquing it and it's not like a bad thing. It is, but I'm just saying it is slow. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because it's actually punctuated by some segments with really fast editing. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so you have pa- the overall pacing is, is fairly slow, but then there are these segments where, um, like the first one, um, basically as soon as he gets to the court, there's a lot of really fast cuts. Um, but then after that, it's fairly slow. And then each, kind of I don't know I'd have to go back and watch it again uh, I do feel like each interaction especially upon like first meeting the characters that he meets is it does seem quick yeah except for like the one with Barry Cogan you yeah. know that one was really slow and that so one was great that's why I have a hard time really thinking about uh, where the fast bits were I remember catching some of them but not all of them I think uh, Aaron Kellyman's character when she's introduced those are like kind of the faster editing I think because yeah. it'll kind of cut between both of them. It's not like both of them are in the frame talking to each other a lot. Yeah. It'll cut between them. Yeah. It's, so your, like it's your typical yeah. two camera. Well, it's probably a three camera setup with uh, over the shoulder for each character. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's it. And that, that introduction is very different than Barry Cogan's uh, introduction. Yeah. Like the, it's the it's way a those, very typical yeah. like dialogue sequence. Yeah. The way those two scenes are set up, which is fine. It doesn't have to be the same shot over and over again. But I think that's the way you can tell there's a difference in editing and uh, just kind of the style they were going for with that scene for sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so easy, I, easy recommend all around? Yeah, I feel like the slow pace is good for this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. Are you ready to spoil this one? Yeah, let's let's spoil the crap out yeah. of it. To the victor, the spoils. So Come eat these bananas. So yeah, so just kind of the basic story is you're following uh, Garwin. He's the nephew of the king. Mm-hmm. And there, it starts on Christmas. It's like a Christmas celebration. And uh, not like Happy Holidays Christmas. It's like more like Christ is born. Like it's medieval Christmas. Not, yeah. you know, it's not Christmas tree type thing. Yeah, there's no, there's no lights or snowmen. Yeah. And that's, I mean, he, they, they introduce a love interest early on. Um, and then he goes to this, this get together, this kind of meeting with all like kind of the noblemen. And there's like all of the king's knights are there. And that's when you get introduced to the green knight. He shows up and he gives this challenge, this game he wants to, to do. And it's basically, it's, he's going to challenge someone to strike him. If they do strike him, he gives him his ax. And then in a, one year's time, that person's like bound to him. He, they have to return to the green knight, return the ax, and then he will deliver the same strike to them. Also, by the way, I thought the green knight looked awesome. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I thought the it was like practical was... and it was just, I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it, it is, it is really great makeup. And a lot of times I feel like those, those types of things like always come off as campy and cheesy, like, especially like anything like seventies, star Wars, all of the, the alien makeup there. They, they're very goofy, but this lends itself, especially the way it's lit. It's very dark. So you don't, re- you don't really see a lot of the, the latexy stuff that, no, the only thing that I noticed fake. was like around the eyeball, like around the eyes. But other than, I mean, even and that's then, really I don't, only in the last scene. Yeah. And then I still don't care. I thought it looked great. Like I would rather have that 100% of the time over like a CGI character. Yeah. I think for me, the reason it didn't feel campy or kind of, janky looking prosthetic is the sound design for that character is amazing absolutely I was, yeah i was immediately like a very menacing character like when he moves it's, it's like, like it's like the creaking of a tree branch and it's and and every time he takes a step it's like it's so heavy and there's like this big bass reverberation within the room so yeah the, the, the sound design just for the character by itself totally sold me on the look i mean i think if you if you have a different sound editing going into that scene it could have made that look much worse but it's they absolutely nail it. The the way this character sounds, the way he's lit, uh, when he shows up, he's silhouetted. So you're like, it's kind of a mystery at first, and then when you you finally get introduced to him, and he's he's thumping around, and it's just everything ties t- together so well in that scene to like really set up that character. I think. Yeah, and the shots, well, as well, at wherever the camera is placed in such a way that he looks massive. Yeah. And, but not none of it's melodramatic. None of it's kind of goofy. Um, and I don't know if either of you noticed, but it sounded like one of the speakers on the left side of the theater was actually broken. There were some, like it, it rattled on a couple really big really? sounds. And that, that honestly, to me, was was kind of cool. It was like, oh, wow, <laughs> like this, this, it can't even handle the, the green night. I did and notice, stomping. Yeah. There was, yeah, because there's one part where he gets, it gets like very bassy. And yeah, I could hear it's, it's, yeah, it was too much for the speaker to handle it. I think it was just one time at the beginning. That's the only time I noticed. I that. heard about three of them. Okay. Well, you, well, you were paying attention to costumes. Yeah, dude, so I was like, too busy. I, 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 I was too things. busy. Like, ooh, stitching. Like, <laughs> and also that doofus next to you. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So I'll get into it real quick. So, so we all saw this together and we were, we were really good seats. We we're right in the middle. And then a couple sat next to us and I was on the very end. So I was sitting next to the couple and the guy sitting next to me, I don't think he's ever seen a film in his life. He was like, <laughs> he was like, 
in shock that everything that happened, like at one point, uh, Garwin gets on a horse and he's like, oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, or like, uh, you know, there's, there's maybe kind of a spooky scene later on. He's like, is that a ghost? Oh, yeah. get out of there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like every time something happened, he's like, huh? Yeah, he's asking questions to his girlfriend throughout the movie. Like she's fucking seen this before. Yeah. It's the premiere date of the film. Yeah. Like it was so, yeah, this uh, guy was just, and honestly it was terribly annoying, but after a while it kind of got funny because he was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> Like he had never seen, he'd never been to a theater before. So good for him. He saw his first film. Yeah. Congratulations, weird, bud. Yeah. Weird, weird place to start. But I, I caught like a couple of those and I, I was like, honestly, like, I was like, how many is he, of these is he saying? Like, I'm catching all of the ones in this. I heard all of it. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, and it was like, cause they were like so inane. Like, like he, I can't even remember what, what some of them were, but it was just like, yeah, this is a pretty typical Tension a plot point, yeah. They're exchanging, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, because yeah, it like, was literally every single like every time there was like a pause where he could say something, he said something. There, th- his first one at the very beginning. So it's it starts out. It's kind of a, a shot on some farm animals, and there's some like straw, you know, thatch roofs in the background to these houses, and it will play that for a little bit, and then it'll cut to like a a credit, and then it'll cut back to that scene, and like the animals kind of moved around. And then it'll cut back to like, you know, showing the director of the studio, whatever. And then it cuts back to the scene and you see like a small fire on top of the roof. And then it will cut away and then it cuts back and now it's a bigger fire. It was like the third time it cut and there was a fire. And and then he said it it like he was discovering it, like letting his girlfriend know because she had missed. He's like, oh, it's on fire now. It's been on fire for like three, three scenes now. (laughs) Personally, I I did miss it uh, that it wasn't on fire, but I'm also not like like dumb enough to be like oh my god did you see it's on fire yeah <laughs> like it's like like i'm telling you it's also this, not eight but that's this, like this man discovered <laughs> film for the first time in his life he was just he was just all about it so good for him but. they left rather quickly yeah. after it ended though yeah. oh yeah by the way yeah stay be, tuned yeah post-credit scene PCC. post-credit yeah. scene yeah. yeah crazy if you're into extra layers of symbol if you already didn't understand the film then this is a great place don't to worry that the, the post-credit scene totally clarifies the entire <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> that's <laughs> the sequel for sure the disney plus streaming, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> streaming, streaming uh, series oh my gosh yeah. just, uh, the, speaking the, of farm animals real quick uh i just want to give just a quick talk about that preview for lamb oh yeah yeah that's uh that's making our our watch list yeah for sure, for sure. Um, oh my gosh just just beautiful. watched i can't even explain it um, it's another a24 film yeah, yeah and it just, looks it looks I'll, amazingly I'll, weird just check it out i'll put a link yeah. in the description it looks yeah. beautiful yeah but yeah so yeah, anyways, calvin was very happy when to see yeah i well i saw a24 and i was like well and that was like it was bookended by like don't breathe Two and like yeah. I, I didn't even know it was like a, shit. I didn't even know there was a first one. Uh, so like why the first is, one's all right. I literally had there never was even a heard don't of it. Don't breathe two trailer when we saw Black Widow. You guys must have already forgotten about. Oh, it looks so oh bad. yeah, I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was just I was just upset again that I had to watch it again. Like I expected, yeah. like okay, we saw Black Widow. We saw a bunch of really terrible movie trailers. Right. I was like, okay, at least this time I'm gonna be able. Well, they were all the same except for Lamb. Except for Lamb, and I think there was one other one. Um, but yeah, Lamb was certainly a highlight. Cause yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, look, a like, like, did like, he? Yeah, like, did that guy, he? Yeah, yeah. The, right. the, the look of shame on his face, <laughs> like post not clarity type thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're so right. We won't spoil anything more than that, but I think Let's I gave it, it away. Yeah, no, I definitely want to shout out that. Uh, yeah, it's it has the uh, the chick from Prometheus. 
Oh, I've never seen. Prometheus. Oh, uh, Numi Rapace. Yes, yes, that is the name. Because uh, she's yeah, she's also Swedish. I didn't know that when they're speaking Swedish. I was like, did she just? I was like, is she acting or does she? Is it she like a natural speaker? Because it sounded natural. So. Right. Yeah. Because she was in the. Uh, she was in the original um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, I didn't know that either. That, I was actually excited to see Prometheus because she was in that. Oh, I only know her from Prometheus. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, those, those Swedes, they There's have some, a lot of versatility, like Alicia Vikander, who was in this one. Right. Which yeah. is great. But yeah, so we were talking about um, the the Green Knight and his challenge. And it's really interesting to look at um, the poem versus what happens here. So in the poem, he, he makes his challenge. It's a lot more vague as to um, how the game is to be played. Uh, here, it's very clear that if you only strike me on the cheek, I will only strike you on the cheek back. In the poem, it just says that I will return the blow in favor, uh, in you know, in return. And so it's it's playing on a trope called of of beheading games um, that's that's present in more medieval literature in the 13th and 14th century. But because it doesn't specifically say a beheading game here um, in the in the in the poem, you're not meant to take it straight as as a beheading game it's supposed to be a little bit more vague and so if you think about how the the game is played at christmas time it's it's meant to be friendly and it there's a couple nods between like arthur king arthur and the um and the the one dude uh with the with the hood and in the runic letters below his eyes that yeah, and that's why Arthur asked him, "Do you understand how the game is is meant to be played?" It's it's given it's made in such a way that um, Gawain is or Garwin is um, allowed to set the rules, but his his own self preservation takes control rather than displaying like well, what you would think a Christian game would be you, something that would um, this would be a reflection of Christ. It would be mercy. It would be something fun and light and an extension of the, the religion of the time. So the fact that he cuts his head off is actually rather, I, I was surprised actually that of the way that the film, the characters in the film treated it. It was like, it should have been something that was really dishonorable for a knight well, I think to it's have sort done. Of, he was sort of not a knight yet. So it, yeah, I, but yeah. if he was going to be a knight, yeah. it would be a dishonorable act by a knight to to do that to uh, an opponent who is giving himself. To yeah, him. yeah, yeah, setting that up. Yeah, so the green knight kneels down, lays down his axe, and he basically like opens his neck up to be like he's not going to fight back. So uh, Garwin thinks it's going to be like a real fight or something, like because he's already and he's like, oh, if you don't make your move, I'll make mine. And so then he he says like, oh, let it be all, let it be known that on uh, that this happened on Christmas Day or something. Like he's kind of proud of, to do it. Yeah, it, it was it was very like romanticized in the way the the dialogue was written um, and and played out like very much like one, one like a poem or even like something out of uh, out of Shakespeare. Very like this is the thing I am about to do, and yeah. it's not it's not meant to be bleak or anything. It's just like this is like so everyone understands my thought process as well. It's so it's as much. Uh, per performative act as it is absolving himself of blame. So he gets he gets the best of both worlds. Then, in that sense, like he keeps his honor um, of of you know not, of a not, of being a knight of chivalric uh, behavior, but he also gains um, 
you know, acclaim for doing this task, which is weird because I just don't think there's, I don't think there's a claim to be gained here. If you're reading the intentions of the knight and all of his, uh, and all of his actions, if, if you, if you just, if you saw that he was giving himself to you, I think the honorable thing of a knight would be just, would be to show him mercy. Yeah. So, right. It's like he's kind of narcissistic in that aspect. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think after, after he beheads him, like it's not immediately doesn't like erupt into applause. Like no one's like, oh yeah, he did it. He, it's he defeated the Green Knight. Like look at this, our young hero. It's not like that at all. And I think that does a good job of kind of. I think what's set up throughout the movie is this kind of. It's subverting and changing what his expectation of a hero is. It seems like he's put into these situations where he thinks he's doing a heroic thing, and he's kind of told that that's not what he's doing. It's like, oh, you're doing this all wrong. And so he has this idea of like what being a brave knight is. And throughout the film, he's finding out like, oh, like that's not what a brave knight would do. Like this, he's changing his own perspective as it goes. Yeah. And I think the very beginning sets that up because he thinks he's being brave and like no one backs him up on this beheading he did. It's all like, I think eventually there's some applause, but it's It's actually, everyone applauded, everybody applauded, uh, applauded and cheered out, which really surprised me. It just wasn't immediate. Um, yeah, it, yeah was it was super after, awkward, and it was after the knight had left. Yeah, uh, after he picked up his head. Yeah, stuff. which I mean, honestly, I don't know why they're why they're clapping. Like it's very ominous. Like, right, he I still has like, to finish the game. He just cut the dude's head off when he could have just given him a light tap on the shoulder. Yeah, I, it, I felt I, like it was stupid. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was very. It and so that that part didn't really make make sense to me because also in the poem, like Gawain is a very honorable knight. Like that's the whole point behind it. There's, there's some interpretations that he actually understands how the game should be played uh, because he's just smart and he's already a part of the court. The only reason he takes the game is because the knight um, is assaulting their, their idea of reputation. It's this weird recursive thing where um, he basically criticizes him. I thought this was Arthur's court, and you know, uh, they have they're such high and noble knights, and none of them will take my game. And so basically, he takes up the game to defend the reputation of them, thinking they like their reputation. Like that's what's yeah. that's what's weird about the about the poem. That I don't know if it's it's necess- It's as much of a fun meta physical discussion in game theory for for this film and i I was kind of glad that it that it got away from it um and and into more uh there's 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 more real human things here that that are easier to understand and you know more fun to grapple with and i think there's there's more to work with and he and lowry uses that to the effect throughout the rest of the film yeah and i i like because I think they set up Garwin to take this challenge because just prior to that, um, King Arthur's like, he regrets not knowing him better. And he's like, tell me a story about yourself. And he's like, I don't have any. And then the queen, who's played by uh, Kate Dickey, who is um, Catelyn Tully's sister. In, in, in Game, Game of Thrones, Thrones yeah. The, with oh, the, that's why I recognize it. With okay. the creepy son that she breastfeeds yeah. forever. Oh, yeah. He just grows up super fast yeah. one season. She's so much better in this. I mean, it, I mean, she's playing a completely different character, but yeah. I hate her in Game of Thrones. Yeah, she's, well, I think you're supposed to hate her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really but, uh, good at it, but Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, <laughs> and she's she's barely in it, but I think she does well. But I like what she says. She's like, yet. You don't have any stories yet. And so this is his yet. Like, yeah. he, he now gets to have a story where he fights the Green Knight. And so I think he's 
he feels like the only way he can have a good story that, you know, he'll become renowned for is if he defeats the Green Knight. And so that's why he's like, okay, this is weird that you're going to let me kill you, but like, I need to do this for prestige and I need to, I want to become a, a, a well-known knight. And mm-hmm. then it, it ends up, he, he, it seems like he doesn't, no one gets anything out of this. Like he, he does become renowned, but it feels like it's all for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Everyone knows him and, um, and I just don't really, really understand why. Like, because the way that everyone else retells the story is he defeated the Green Knight. And that's that's it. Like, that's it. it's not talking about the game. It's not talking about, I mean, even the color of the blood was mis, um, uh, was misremembered or misattributed by someone saying that the, gr- that the blood was green when it was yeah, clearly it's not, red. It's red, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I just... I almost, I sort of thought as maybe as the court like kind of humoring him being like, okay, like this kid wanted to do something. He did it, like didn't do it the right thing, but he did it. So, and then kind of once it gets to like the common people and the story's retold with puppets and I think then it kind of just, it gets taken out of, out of, it gets put in the wrong context. Mm. It's like a, it's it's, like a real life legend, like seeing how stories change in front of us. It's like you get, you get to see what actually happened. And then when it's retold to like, you know, your, your common people it's kind of played up as this sort of heroic thing and yeah. that's not what happened. And so, I don't know, I think part of it is just, yeah, you know, that's kind of how myths and legends are formed. Yeah. You, know, you have some, you tell a story like that. You want it to be better than what yeah. it actually was. You have some original telling and then it gets kind of amped up as yeah. it goes. Mm-hmm. I do like how they set up his character in general, you know, basically just a frat boy. And then it's, it's such a, it's such a great scene setting him up in the, throne room and having him sit by Arthur like you you know who he is like he's not taking his role very seriously um and he states quite clearly that he has no stories so then to put him in this situation it's interesting to think like like you were saying that the the whole court basically was in on it like they understood how the game was meant to be played why no one was playing the game it's because they were setting it up so that he was the one and that's actually yeah. there's a, there's a reading actually in the poem that that's the case. Um, if you think of of game theory as being um, well, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, it's we, it's, it's, we can get it's more weird like, later because yeah, I, I, well, I don't, dive I don't really want to talk about it because it's it's a lot of it's a lot of weird stuff. But basically, in the poem, like the whole goal of how the knight set up the game was specifically to get Gawain the most um, the most knowledgeable and the most prestigious and honorable knight to get to play because that was that was the whole the whole purpose of it so it's interesting seeing that that parallel is here but in a different way with a different game and a different set of rules yeah and so the knight going after him is everyone else pushing him towards the knight yeah exactly it's neat yeah so it's not it's meant it it seems like it's meant to be in such a way that um uh, he's like honorable or or like you know like ah, i'll take up the challenge but really the whole thing was contrived to put him in that position well, and even arthur king arthur like tells him he's like you do get this right he's yeah. like yeah he's like because he really wants to because i think what king arthur is afraid of is that he's gonna kill the green knight yeah or he's gonna try to kill yep. the green knight and he's like you get it right like tell me right now yeah, that you understand what's happening don't and, be stupid here and the kid's <laughs> yeah. like and he like gets the sword he like hops over the table yeah. he's like trying to be dramatic hero and then he yeah and that's not the context of this situation at all i think completely misreads it yeah and i think he took up on the the line where it said uh um i will allow one of you to try and land a blow against me and he took that as a challenge to a duel he didn't realize that that wasn't the point of the game right so 
he the Green Knight picks up his head, rides off, and basically you know that in a year it's you know he's gonna he's gonna get his comeuppance. He yep. gets to go back and meet the other half of this challenge. So it I actually like that it doesn't linger on this whole year. No, it just it, goes it, right it by it. Through, like yeah. you see, like I said, you see the retelling of it with the puppets, and it's they had this cool like uh, kind of it's like like a disc with like the different seasons painted on it. And they mm-hmm. click it around to show like a year has passed yep. during the puppet show. Mm-hmm. It's just a cool bit of imagery, I think it, and that's it's a good way to let, let's keep the story going because a lot of this is 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 slower, and so like let's get to the actual journey, like his quest to become a hero, instead of the year he spends basically being drunk, yeah. basically dreading this this next event he has to go to. Right, because they did mention that year uh, about one of the guys that came up to him at the end. Oh, you're Garwin. You're the I always see you here leaving, uh, barely able to stand because uh, you're drinking so much. Yeah, and uh, that was yeah. And but I do like the um, one style choice that they went with, where um, all of the title screens, all of the all of the words, and how it was like um, a too too quick a year. Or right, something yeah. like that. And it's it's a really fun um you know, obviously it helps keep the narrative together, but it's also a fun callback to films, uh silent films in like the nineteen tens and nineteen twenties. They would use the like rather than actual dialogue, they would put up dialogue or title screens like in between the the actual film scenes and so to put those on the frame and kind of have them move and interact with the the film, it was it felt very old timey film but also like like a play like that you would have found in the medieval time like someone like act 2 I had heard it yeah. Three. Yeah. described as like a sort of like a Monty Python type stuff from Yeah there. I could see that yeah. yeah and that's where it's where it comes from right. which is why I enjoyed it According so, to the guy next to you it didn't matter cuz he couldn't read it So okay oh <laughs> yeah I saw it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He did. He said that very audibly. He's like, he's like, I can't even read it. Yeah, this must have been his first book too. So, I, and I'm not gonna lie. I am. I will fully to admit I'm a slow reader, and the font was very robust. The font was difficult. Yeah, and it pops up and goes away really quick. So I, I caught the titles a couple times, but a couple times I was like, oh, what? So, so all of those. I would have liked it to like, linger a little bit longer. Yeah, but I wonder yeah. if that's sort of the point. I think so. It's well, just like get it out of the room. Yeah, quick. yeah, that, and you could read the poem because a lot of those phrases were actually pulled straight from the. No poem. No one's gonna read the poem. Calvin. It's only like sixty pages. Actually, it was only like sixty pages, like uh, on my iPhone. So it's probably only like twenty pages. People and I did are, not read. Yeah, and I read the won't translation. Read one page on their iPhone. No, they're that's, gonna see our thumbnail. Fair. They're gonna click on it and be like, "Thank God I don't have to read that dumb poem." Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure. At least now I can watch a movie that'll be way quicker yeah. than reading that poem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I did think it was a neat element that they threw in because then it 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 does set up like, okay, this is like we're changing, we're changing the beat now. Like, uh, so you it's the the year too quick. And then it goes into, I can't remember, it says something about like the journey begins or something about the journey. Yeah, the journey outward. I, I wrote it somewhere. That was um, the voyage to the, the green. Yeah, the voyage out. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I think I wrote it on top of another sentence. And yeah, trying to take, take notes, notes in, in a dark, dark theater, man. It, crazy. it worked, it worked than, better than last time. What, but the, the two lines you wrote for Black Widow? Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my sentence of kanji. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that when his journey begins, that's one of my favorite really long takes uh, in the whole film. So it starts, mm-hmm. he's basically, he's leaving the city. He's being kind of chased by little kids, kind of yep. sending him off. And they keep trying to get his attention and he just keeps riding. And then there's a shepherd that moves some 
some goats or sheep by him and the camera just stays the kid, on him. kids are chasing him too yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sorry and uh the camera eventually like the kids stop and the sheep go you know out of frame and, and the camera just stays on him for a really long time and i think it sets up like okay this character is really on his own now and it doesn't take any dialogue it doesn't take a, a fancy speech or a big send-off from his family or it's it's just it's just this scene of him riding off by himself and you really know he's by himself because you can see how far away he's getting because the scene is really long yeah i do like how his mother basically was an archetype throughout the whole film like she didn't really talk um there wasn't a, and there's not a lot of melodrama out of it you you just focus on his relationship with uh him and essel um who's alicia vikander um in this and it's not and I think it works to its effect. But that that shot is the one I'm referring to. It's the the Turin horse one. And so right when the camera gets up to the horse's face and cuts, that's the moment where when we were in school, it kept going for another four minutes. And yeah. it was that moment where, where it started backing up. And we're like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, right before he leaves, he is talking to Essel. Um, and this is the one thing that I noticed that, uh, that really made me realize how like narcissistic he was because he was like, this is what a brave knight would do or whatever. He's trying to be that person, even though he probably isn't that person. It's who he thinks he should be. And he's like, I, I have to be this good of a person. Cause like, that's just who he feels uh, he is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause to be, he has to be great. Yes. And he she, does. and she was like, well, what's good. What's, what's wrong with goodness? Yeah. I do like, so I guess before he, before he does go on his journey, there's, he has that conversation with Essel and there's a good bit of humor in there uh, where she's like, well, like, what would you think of if I was like your lady? Like, you know, yeah. and I had your ear. He just doesn't say shit. And she grabs his face and like moves his mouth. Yeah. She's like, I would love that. I would love for you to be my <laughs> that lady. That part was good. And then um, I think right before that is when he's he's stumbling around drunk and King Arthur's at his house. And King Arthur's basically trying to get him to be like, hey, you need to go follow through with this. You you made your bed. It's time to lie in it. And it, it's kind of this like I said, it's a good kind of like that old man archetypes, this cool, like fatherly scene where he's, he's kind of trying to reassure him. And, um, he's like, I, I don't think I'm destined for greatness. And he's like, well, how do you know you're not? And you gotta go, you gotta go and try. And the, he has a good bit of humor too. Uh, Sean Harris does. He just sits there and he's like messing with his tooth and it, it, uh, yeah. it, it goes <laughs> on good. for like a little while. And you're like, what's happening? And then he's like, Oh, my tooth hurts. <laughs> just delivered so <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. It, it's just, there's there's some really like it, it's not overstated it's just it's nice little bits of humor in this yeah and it's nice little really bits well. of things that that might mean other things but they they feel so uh again i i hate to say it again but organic you know they they seem to spring out of the character rather than being contrived by the the director or the plot yeah. or like they're not they're not there specifically to carry the story as much as they are just a facet of the person yeah, yeah. it, it hum, yeah i don't know if humanize it just it, it yeah, makes I'd their say, yeah, yeah i agree it humanizes and makes their characters more robust with just a small little a small little line it's mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like something that like okay let's do seven takes of this it's just like something that happened and they're like oh yeah. you know what that works so well with this character like even like uh when she does move his mouth up and down, like she could have just said it. It would have been yeah. not funny. It's just like, I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's something that somebody would do. And it's, yeah, I, yeah it was very natural and, and good. It was fit, it fitted there. Yeah. There's a couple at the end, the green knight even has his own little, there's some funny bits he has. It, it, it's sprinkled throughout this and I think it, it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just like, it, it enhances the weirdness, you know? It does. Yeah. Which is good. This movie is supposed to be weird. Yeah, and I, I love that it plays to that. But then right after that, we get to uh, 
Barry Cogan, right? I'm pretty sure. That's right, yeah. So yeah. you get the long shot of him on the horse, and then... He, he meets the scavenger. Yeah, yeah, he arrives on a kind of the remains of a battlefield. You know, you got bodies everywhere, arrows. He, he rides past guys just full of arrows. And I think you see the fox just before that in the war. Yeah, the fox is what leads him to the guy. Right. Uh, yeah. That has arrows in them. Yeah. And he's so then, looking at the fox and then boom, dead dude. Right. And so then, yeah, so he's on the battlefield and uh, that's when you see the scavenger, Barry Cogan. And at first he's like, he's like, he seems like a really goofy kid. And he's like, oh, my brothers were out here and I'm looking for him. And I wasn't even sure if he was supposed to be playing an adult. I, at first, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's part of like why I think he, when he's on screen, he steals it. Cause I was like, I was, and it's this really great, just like long tracking shot. Like we said, it's just this continuous take where, the camera's just following uh, Garwin on his horse and uh, the scavengers like kind of just walking around. He's taking like weird big steps sometimes and like, yeah. kind of dodging like stuff and he's yeah. throwing arrows around and jumping around in the mud. And, yeah. And like he had like, it, I, they didn't look like the, it wasn't, an, he ended up with an arrow, but before that he had like two, like they almost look like, uh, like, um, what is it? Tin pans. Um, they're like a little drum thing. Right. At yeah. The end of oh, a yeah. Stuck at the end of a stick. And like, he would just throw them randomly and he just jumped through the mud and talk about how, you know, the earth would swallow them whole. I can't. He said he had, he said, uh, he, he had two brothers there and that, uh, eventually mother nature would take her course and like absorb the bodies or whatever. Cause yeah. They were wondering why no one buried them. He said that everybody yeah. had died. Yeah. And there was like one, the way he said it was, was really interesting and a uh, way I hadn't heard it before. He just like suck them up. Yeah. The earth. And I was, and that obviously ties into a lot of the other, um, pagan and, um, you know, nature themes throughout the, throughout the film. Um, but, still playing within the character that you wouldn't you don't need to even need to see that for that that scene to work because it's it's so much fun just seeing him doing whatever the hell he's doing yeah he's yeah, yeah he's a great actor uh i think he's in that uh killing of a sacred deer which i like that's another super weird movie oh yeah because that's the same guy that's jorgen uh lanthimos yeah, uh he, he did, did lobster uh, and uh dog tooth oh man yeah. if you wanted to see like a really really weird movie but based in like re- in reality because it's based in like present day greece i think um and it's from 2009 yeah um that is that's the trip and then he did a uh, American Animals, which is is something we'll we'll we'll, we'll probably pop up on. You'll, you'll hear about it on this podcast. Uh, that's another that's another good movie. He's in. I wish he was in more stuff. He's great. Yeah. And like I said, he's I, good. Like um, uh, Dev Patel uh, is not bad in this movie by any means. But when he's sharing the screen with Barry Cogan, it's like it's, it's he he's the only the thing show. I care about. Yeah. I was like, he's great. And so then, uh, Garwin, he's he's asking if he knows where the the. Green Knight is the what is he called? The is the, it the Green, the green Chapel? Chapel yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he tells him, "Oh, it's like up, follow the stream, and uh, you'll you know just follow it up, and you'll find it." And as soon as uh, he leaves the screen, he's like, "It's like weird or something." What does he say? Well, there? no, he first asks. He's like, "Was my uh, like was my um, oh yeah, not my advice? Was my information not worth anything to you?" And he Garland's says, "It's like, worth, a, good, worth a thank you." He's like, "My thanks," and then he like yells it, and he his character changes. It's like this really abrupt, and then he yells it again. He's like, was my, like, was it not worth anything to you? And that's when Garwin then like tosses him a coin. And then when Garwin leaves the screen, that's what you're talking about. It then zooms in on uh, Barry Cogan and he's like, be careful of the stream. It can be treacherous. Yep. And it gets, he like messes with his necklace on his neck. He's got like this choker thing It's super tight around his neck. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, that's a, that's a cool little character moment, which I, I, I assume is just gotta be something that 
actors are good and they know what they're doing and he's good. Yeah. And so it just seems like maybe just a little thing that he's like, yeah, maybe he'd scheme and he'd like mess with, he'd fiddle with something. It's just, it's just, it's another thing that seems so natural in this movie. Just like, oh yeah, you know, and it, it fit his character. Cause later on you find out it's, he wasn't leading him to the green chapel. It was like a scheme. They're like, he's got the scavenger has the other like robbers working with them. Yeah. And it's, in, uh, that whole scene too was prefaced by a title screen called an act of kindness. And I, th- and I like to think of a lot of these things as, as being trials for Garwin. And that's one of w- what it was like. Exactly. He, he basically just gave him a pittance, you know, like whatever the, the lowest co- value coin was yeah. like, because you didn't really offer me anything. And it, and it's again, he's not that honorable of a knight. He's not that nice of a character. Um, he's kind of a douche. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really full of himself and, he he fails that test as well. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah, that's I agree. That's like the first test, which is what I think is this movie is really about. Is is he doesn't he thinks he knows what being a hero is. He thinks he knows what being a knight is, but he continues to do the wrong thing in all these kind of trials he's put through, and that's his first one. Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, well, I'd actually say it's the second one because the first one was the was the actual sure. okay green knight. okay yeah that, still, okay that makes sense. Yeah, he still has not shredded any of his arrogance at this point. Yeah, <laughs> even after a year. Yep. So, so yeah, so then he ends up getting, getting held up and robbed by the scavenger again. He's got a little crew with him and, uh, I love, he's like, he has the coin. He's like, just wasn't enough. Not quite enough. Yeah. <laughs> and it's this, this delivery on every line. It's really good. And it's cool to see, you see him as this like kind of joyful, playful kid. And then it's just like this switch to the completely different character. Yeah. Yeah. Very trickster like quality. Oh, for yes. sure. Yeah. And it's absolutely. Like, but like his own personal take on it. And yeah. And like no, how he's like stroking him and put his, put his head against his. And cause he's like, oh, cause he says like you're a knight. And then Garwin's like, oh, I'm not a knight. I never said that. And, the, he like yeah he feels his ha- hair no, and uh, yeah and he puts up his nose doing yeah he smell like one yeah it's yeah. like he can tell he's some kind of nobility you know yeah. it's like because he's clean and you know mm-hmm. he, he's, he doesn't reek or anything like that so it's like yeah he's not at night but he still could have given more coin you know yeah and like that's the kind of crux of the issue is if he had just been more generous none of this would have happened to him which a real hero would have been generous yeah, yeah. he, he would have committed the act of kindness so uh, just naturally instead of being kind of forced to give the lowest denomination he had. So one thing I've just really, really enjoyed about like a little bit later in the scene is that when he's tied up and he's going to go free himself and he crawls over to the sword and he starts cutting his band, his starts cutting his rope that's tied around his wrists. Mm-hmm. Um, he cuts himself, mm-hmm. which I love because every time I see this in the fucking movie, I'm like, how do you not cut yourself? Yeah. And like, it's not like it doesn't play out any later in the movie or anything like that. It's not like you, doesn't he show the cut to King Arthur? I mean, like, I th- maybe I missed. Maybe, maybe I, I thought I saw something, but I thought the camera cuts to his hand to be yeah. like, this is the cut he got in, like he, that he received. Yeah, I might just be missing that. I, I mean, might have. I might have, I, I might have missed what you're saying, and that's yeah. fine. I just like I would expect like him like lose a finger or something like that, like be more dramatic. You're but so it was just right like right. a little cut, and I was like, thank God that, that finally happened in the movie. Like, it's yeah. like when I see people reload a gun in a movie. It's like. <sighs> Thank you. That just makes it better. Just like one yeah. small thing to just make it more accurate. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it doesn't change the plot at all. Right. But it's like just like, my suspension of disbelief extends only yeah. as far as two mag clips. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I really like um, they're rummaging through all of Garwin's stuff and they find the axe. And uh, the scavenger's like, he picks it up and he's swinging it around again. He's kind of being like weird, playful kid. Uh, but then he's like, I'll go finish your quest for you. 
And I, at that point, I was like, oh, God, I, w- I hope the movie is just about him now. <laughs> I was like, I want to see him go and, like, try and confront the green There guy. was a part of me that thought that as well, yeah. Yeah. There's actually, and that was actually something that the studio talked about, like, um, when they uh, read the script. Like, you've written a really um, unlikable character. It needs to be played by someone that's that's charismatic enough that you can at least have something that you can connect with. And that was the reason that Dev Patel ended up getting cast by it. But I agree. Like, I think like Slumdog. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sh- Yeah, exactly. That's a good movie. That's, dude. A, that's a yeah. great movie. Is that I'd what love- he's in? Yeah. He's yeah. Slumdog. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that was him. I'd love to revisit that sometime. Yeah. I really maybe it's that not, movie. maybe, yeah. maybe it won't be terrible. That was, that was pre-film wokeness for me yeah. so i don't know if it's any good actually but um i mean i, I saw enjoyed it high school i mean i yeah. really liked them it's like 2008 is when it yeah. came out i'm pretty sure i've never seen it so i'd be i'd be totally willing to watch it oh man yeah, yeah. i mean we'll get to it eventually i, I, I just didn't realize that was him i think he voices chappy or he's in chappy at least i think yeah. he, he plays he plays like he's, that movie was terrible yeah it's really bad yeah i'm sure <laughs> um, but um so yeah like so he's like a very likable um uh, you know, a really good actor, but yeah, I'd agree. Like that, there, there is something. I wonder if this film would be more enjoyable if. I mean, it would be more enjoyable if uh, uh, Garwin was a more enjoyable character. I just don't think it's it would say what what the film really wants to say. What Lowry really said. Yeah, for. I, the the film is about him being like garbage and then being less garbage at the end of the movie. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think the tone and kind of the story of the film is a, a subversion of what we think a hero is. Like you think you're going to get this hero's journey and it's not that. And so you don't want to have a character that starts out as this charismatic hero. You want to have one that sucks and then becomes a hero, becomes courageous later. So if he starts out already like with having these hero qualities and then he goes through a story where he's doing the right thing the whole time, I think it's less interesting. So actually I, I like that he's not great. Yeah, no, I think it, I love it. It would it would yeah. it would not fit with the tone of the film at all if he was like a good hero and then he was going around doing like kind of failing these hero trials. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty freaking bored of that kind of narrative in movies of just like here's a good guy and he's good and you like him. Yeah. No, yeah. I I love it that like it's here's that, the protagonist and he kind of sucks and you're not going to be the biggest fan of him. But it's, it's that superhero just, yeah. saturation right now. Yeah. Which yeah. which again, I I love seeing those movies, but it is nice to see something like take a breath and get away from that yeah. for a little bit, which this movie was like it is. It's taking a breath away mm-hmm. from your big box office kind of hero archetype that shows up yes. in every movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost wish this was more um that this worked for a wider audience with that type of thing in place you know i want us to bring in not not necessarily anti-heroes because we have we have an oversaturation with anti-heroes too but someone that isn't that 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 goes through a real human journey of not being very good and but making good decisions that ultimately show you a full growth of a real human you know that type of thing i would like to see more in in mass media that we don't get but uh, honestly, uh, obviously, I wouldn't change anything about this because it's yeah. so so weird and so so wonderful for it. Yeah. I do think that this is not going to work for a, a, the wider audience because I agree with the Aaron Chambers review <laughs> we read earlier. Uh, the trailer and and I only watched like I think it's like a 15, 20 second trailer that just pops up as an ad on YouTube. I didn't like search the full trailer or anything like that, but just from seeing that, I was like, oh hell yeah, let's go watch this. This looks great. But it does kind of set it up to I think be it seems like it's going to have more action in it. Mm-hmm. There really isn't much to yeah. it. Like it, it, this is really just a, 
it, it's just following a character. It's not a single fight. No, no, no. there's not. I mean, if you count Which, the heading at the beginning, that's like that's your big action. Scene. I enjoyed the not having the fight thing. I think the A twenty four does a good job of uh, making their trailers look very different than what their movies are. Like Midsummer trailers, like I remember watching that. That I don't think that the trailers were anything like what the movie is. Well, and see, that's I think to me. Midsummer did play out exactly how I thought it was going to. Um, yeah. Even without the, there's there's some there's some quality of them that that strikes me as as what I'm seeing like within their trailer. Like yeah, I see that this is this is meant to be interesting for a wide audience. But there's ways that they've framed it and things that they've included that um, even though it's not going to be something that you readily notice, it's something that um, that uh, sharper. Um, or like higher-minded directors will put in uh, as shot selections, and those things I see in these trailers, and those like they they prepare me for this. But I think the other thing too is now at this point, The Witch came out in 2014. That was like the that was like the big break for A24. So if you see A24 and think that you're gonna get some big actions at this point. I, I don't think you're paying attention to anything. The, the guy next to me wasn't paying attention because I think he 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 probably left the movie thinking it was going to be totally different. Yeah, he I don't shocked. think he. Yeah, he was already shocked by what he was seeing. Yeah, so, so I, I saw the I mean, his favorite several. movie before this was probably I don't know. Don't Fast and Furious one. Nine. Yeah, Fast and Furious Nine probably probably yeah, exactly. this one. Yeah, yeah he yeah. probably just snuck into the theater from that. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, I do understand. I, I think that there will be a lot of people who go and watch this and are frustrated by the trailer because I do agree. I think The Village has a really cool trailer. And the, while I do feel like I think mm-hmm. that movie's still good, the trailer doesn't match what the movie's about. Another one is uh, "It Comes at Night," which I think we've talked about before. It is a great trailer. It looks like this really great suspense, like horror thriller, and it kind of is that, but it's not. A, it kind of makes it look like there's like a creature or something, and there's no creature really. Yeah, I mean there are creatures in it, but what's so great about "It Comes at Night" is they don't never show it. Yeah. It's really more of the the general un, unease of dealing with with strangers in like a post apocalyptic yeah. world, really as an allegory for people within, um, letting people into our nuclear family styles. Yeah, but I, that's, just, I do I, understand the there will be a disconnect for a lot of people between seeing the trailer and watching this movie. They'll be like, oh, yeah. what the fuck is this? And see, but I, that didn't, that didn't happen for me. Um, well, because we know what a 24 is. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, also even didn't still watch from the, trailers. Yeah. I don't like I, doing that for movies. Anymore. See, yeah. Like I, I can, I can agree with that. I just wanted to, because we were recording, you know, two hours after we watched it, I wanted to be sure that I had enough frame of reference to not miss any of the the bigger things. Yeah. Um, well, we're gonna miss some things. Yeah. I just I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm frustrated that you say that, and you're absolutely right. There's so much. We'll get into more of the of the of the larger themes later, but um, and so and so after that, I think is when he yeah when he meets uh, Lady Winifred, right? Oh, okay. Just before that, before he cuts his bonds. I don't, oh, this scene I is crazy. I, I want to know if you guys have any interpretation on this because I have no idea what it means. So when it when the camera spins around, yeah. So the, yeah, the, there's actually we'll get to that because there's another one later on. Okay, I I just want to describe. Well, yeah, it real yeah. Quick. Cool. So the the camera starts on Garwin and he's tied up, and then it just the camera starts moving to the left, and it does a full 360, and then it goes lands back on Garwin, but he's a skeleton in the same clothes, same bound. He's still bound. And then the camera then spins back around 360, and he's not bound anymore, and it's kind of. No, he's still bound, but he's not. Oh, dead. sorry. I meant I meant you're you're yeah. back to sorry. I meant you're back to him alive, and he's bound, and it's it's almost like whatever. It's like it reset to he, him being alive now. Yeah, and that's when he like crawls fast over. Forward. That's when he crawls over and grabs his cuts the sword. 
so yeah, I just wanted to describe that scene and then we'll go into it more. It's like, wonderfully yeah. shot. Because I know there's an yeah, I know is, there is it, another the skeleton's kind of, almost pretty. Yeah. It's yeah. it's very it's at a very unusual I can't think of too many other times ever I've seen a film shot like that. I've seen other like more um more experimental films do stuff like that, but not something in um a narrative film it's it was it's it, it that was i think the one of the first shots that to me signaled okay this is more than um than just a narrative like and it's not just about the journey whereas like the shot the long tracking shot with him at the horse that's like you know that's about the journey the yeah. moment where the camera started spinning was like we're getting into the weird realm we're getting into the symbolic yep. and uh and the representative and i was like oh yes please give me more yeah no okay. i mean I don't know if uh, he was missing a lot of his teeth. The skeleton was. I don't know why I noticed that. Oh, probably yeah, probably yeah. just like uh, King Arthur. Like oh, oh snap! Yeah. I actually have no. That's not the point I want to make later. Just so you know, okay. I just realized I was like, oh yeah. I'm trying to think. It. I'm trying to come up with some kind of tooth theory now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, well, I do think I have one now. Well, <laughs> but we'll save that. Okay, so yeah, so we'll tackle that scene later. Um, so the next scene you did uh you were talking about this with uh aaron kellyman's character right yeah winifred yeah so he stumbles so he gets his he gets free and he stumbles into this house and he's trying to figure out if anyone's there there's like food on the table but it's like crumbles to dust when he grabs yeah. it which is cool yeah it looked like it was literally like the entire structure of it was just mold uh, he yeah. was gonna eat it yeah and it, then it yeah. crumbles he's like ah oh, fuck i can't do it yeah at that point it's like you know he's he's been beat up and he's just trying to get any kind of relief he can and he can't even eat, eat the food there. And he finds the, a bed upstairs, and it, it seems like he's reluctant at first because he's like he's trying to figure out if anyone lives there. And then eventually he just like... Well, he says, he's like, hello, hello, anyone here and stuff. Like yeah. he's, he's checking around. Just think eventually his, you know, he's, he's weary and tired, and it overtakes him, and he falls asleep in the bed. And that's when Winifred pops up, and she's like, what are you doing in my bed? Yeah. Which is a, a, a creepy... It's, it's creepy how... It's creepy because she's so like nonchalant about yeah, it it's yeah like, it, what's up dude this like, should be a to me it's it's like a oh my god stranger in my bed like it, it, screaming yelling you know yeah it, it turns into some kind of fight some kind of scrap you know but no she's just like what are you doing in my bed and then when he gets up he like apologizes like profusely he's like i thought no one was here i was just looking for like a place to lay my head he, he he's gonna leave and he's he's trying to be like really genuinely nice and he's very apologetic and i think that's what like sets up the scene to be like so creepy is like it's just so odd it is very, very odd. Because of just their interaction. She's like, no, you're good. It's fine. It's like, yeah. what? Like, this is, it's not what I was expecting. And this is my favorite interaction with the guy next to me. Uh, yeah, this this is great. She floats. Yeah, it's like she's yeah. on, like, yeah, she's Oh, on this the, was the first one. This was the one that I was thinking of when I heard it. I was like, what the hell? Man? Yeah. <laughs> so she doesn't take any steps forward. She just kind of floats over to, um, uh, uh, oh my God. Why Carwin. I, yeah, Carwin. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she just floats over to him. He's like, "Oh my god, is that is that a ghost?" <laughs> and he goes like, "Get out of there! That's a ghost." <laughs> which, which he he wasn't wrong. She ends up being like a like a spirit. Yeah, I mean, by by the fact that she floated across the ground, I was like, "Yeah, yeah she's a fucking ghost, dude!" Like, but that's what got him. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a ghost. <laughs> he was like. 
like I, I mean it's like and it's almost like he thought he was like informing the rest of us yeah. like are you seeing this shit like yeah. there's a ghost on screen right? yeah. it's like he Everyone, was like talking yeah. through the trailers and stuff and I was like okay hopefully this guy will understand like when the movie starts I like, mean that's fine you know that that's fair like you yeah. can talk through trailers because that's the whole point like yeah. you're you're talking you're it, that's the cinema yeah. you know we're, I mean, we're discussing we asked right away like you know did, doesn't did doesn't he? yeah yeah it was so quiet when you said that doesn't Dane Cook do a bit on that where he's like somehow like everyone becomes a, a film critic in the little quiet space between trailers yeah. like, <laughs> like everyone leans over like that looks like shit <laughs> or you're like I'm never fucking seeing that movie like, it, it is funny but that guy wasn't whispering he was just no he was he's was very just saying everything out loud but uh so she needs his help this is like another one of his trials is it, she says like um I she's lost her head she had someone come into her house and is uh, gonna take advantage of her and she fights back and this guy ends up lobbing her head off throws it in the spring outside of her her house and she's like no matter how much i reach for it i can never find it and so he is gonna dive in and find it but this is another part of him failing he's like what do you what will you give me in return for for retrieving she's like, head why does that matter i love that it, she's yeah, like why would you say that to me yeah like, that line was yeah. great like yeah it and was she awesome. she repeats it which like really emphasize like why would why would you say that to me why would you say that to me like yeah. clearly this is just something you do out of the kindness of your heart yeah. like, you just do this because if you want to be an honorable knight you just do it yep yeah, actually, everything in that whole scene, like, why are you in my bed? Don't touch me. A knight would know, would should know better yeah. than that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Why? Why are you asking for anything in, in return? This This isn't like an exchange. You are a knight. You don't do things for exchange. You do things for the sake of honor. And I do like it's not like a sexual touch. Like he's making an advance. It's like she floats over, and he, now he's, it's he's catching on that. Like this is. This yeah, is he's trying to see if she's real. It's, it's, it's yeah. a, it's like an experiment, not a. It, it, you said touch her, and I was like, I just want to be clear. It's not like a. He's not being a creep. He's yeah. just like what, like okay. Yeah. But even then, like still, by, by yeah. the conventions of knighthood, that's still he not still something. It's, it, yeah. it's not something that. that it's not appropriate. Yeah. No. It's just still another thing. Him failing. Yeah. It's he's just failing at this stuff. Yeah, and then and then he goes down to the to the pond or whatever at the bottom of the spring yeah and the light changes it turns all red yeah this whole movie has a very green theme we'll we'll have to talk about colors later because that's one thing that i don't have a great grasp on um but that's a big big part symbolically right uh so yeah so he he finds the head and brings it back up to the The scene is long as well he is underwater for a very long time yeah Yeah. the galaxy overlay i love that very interstellar is coming out yeah pretty soon yeah be be stoked about that because we have a lot to talk about there for sure uh yeah that's that's my favorite that's my favorite pick to add to our list of favorites um but yeah i'm describing these scenes and i'm breezing through them these are not scenes that are breezed through no they are they're very uh long stretched almost these shots Mm. linger for a long time but it's not it's not like overwhelming or boring in the sense it makes me more interested in what's going on because they are stretched and it's not every scene it's just the certain ones that i think they do it at the right time in this yeah film. and they're all stretched in in different ways you know yeah. there's like a different focus on whether like for the the first one where um the big one where he's leaving the uh castle it's about the journey it's about the horse like loneliness that type of thing with the um the scavenger one you're introduced to this character and this battlefield like that's the point so you're setting the scene as well as the tension between the two characters and then um you know the big long whole thing with with him and winifred is is um it's it's contemplating 
or it's kind of focusing on how he's approaching knighthood and what the film thinks knighthood is at the same time. Yeah. So, yeah, he returns the head because he sees the... So now there's a skeleton of Winifred in the bed and it's missing a head. And he, Did he fucking lay on the skeleton when he lay in the bed? Was no, it wasn't, it wasn't there. It no. wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't there. I mean, I know like we didn't see it there. Yeah, my assumption is it's she's a spirit. She can do whatever she wants. That's and fair. Skeletons yeah. can appear and appear whenever she wants. Okay, that's that was. I didn't think there was any kind of weird interpretation of that. I thought he might have been cuddling. I think skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> but I like he he puts Did the he? head. In. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but I like he puts the head back and she goes. I can see you now. Yeah. And I don't really know what that means because I thought she could see him before. She couldn't. I, I, she said that. She said that she couldn't. She said that it may look like I have a head, but I don't right now. And that I don't actually... And she did. She said that she couldn't see him. Oh, okay. I do like when he drops the skull and then it hits the ground and it turns into a head. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a jarring scene. Yeah, right it's now. gross. Mm-hmm. And I do love... Lots that, of heads. Yeah, and I don't know if... I mean, did you guys hear what she said right there? When she hit the ground? No, yeah. I don't believe so. I don't think I did. The Green Knight is someone you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. Yeah, I just need Which to be is, reminded, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's something to put in our back our back pocket. It's, Damn. Um, I, I have a few interpretations on that that are going to be different than the uh, original um, the original poem. I think the, the, the way the poem ended can still be done here, but I think there's a better interpretation for it later on. We don't think the Green Knight is the one who beheaded her. I actually think it's uh, the scavenger. I thought that's, so too. That's how the that, that's, that's how, that's the, how axe, the axe gets back. Got yeah. there. Yeah. So it's a, a yeah. there's a, there's a there's you know uh, a crossover between the natural and the supernatural there at the spring. And right. That's and that's why things happen the way they did. I think like, like the, why the skeletons already skeletons have a corpse. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So that's I think that's the best way of thinking about it because otherwise, then it gets really it gets really really weird how you think that the axe actually got there. Uh, it's no, that makes much more sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and like she describes the guy as like creeping on her or whatever and following her and trying to make advances. Yeah, and trying I feel to like, take. And I feel like that character is the kind of character who would have done that. Whereas the Green Knight, I don't think would have done anything yeah, like that. That's why I just thought um, because the act shows up and because right before that she says the Green Knight, someone you know. So I, I wondered if maybe it was trying to put that thought into your head that, oh, maybe the Green Knight was here and did it. So I didn't think it would not see him in the character of Green Knight, even though it's character it's barely in the movie okay so it like, just still doesn't seem like something during that point like i would not have like i didn't think about the green knight but i wouldn't have not i wouldn't have thought that he wouldn't have done that because i didn't know the character well enough yeah. Yeah. he also I doesn't seem that. to me he doesn't seem malevolent uh, no, and i don't know i don't but know at this point in that. the film like i didn't know that so i'm saying I well i mean yeah. even from like his like uh, his um from the beginning just from his first scene i don't i don't i never saw him as like a malevolent character despite how everyone had this awe and reverence and and fear of god type thing of him i don't i don't think the way he set up the game i think is meant to show that he's not uh an evil spirit he's not malicious in any way um but this it's strange and new that type of thing and strange new things need to be attacked yeah i didn't think it was interesting (laughs) how they set his character up in because you're not really given any background on it. It's almost, it's just the way all the other characters, like the knight and King Arthur, the way they're all reacting is kind of mm-hmm. what sets up his character. There's no like, you know, there's no like flashback scene to be like, this is what the Green Knight's all about. There's no like, uh, I don't know, he doesn't have like a big bit of dialogue to or an exposition dump to explain like what he is or why he's there. It just, he shows up and you kind of, 
you get a feel for what he's about just by the characters like interacting with him or like their interaction to him arriving. Yeah. Which I think is like a cool, subtle way to set up your character. Yeah. Again, this, mm-hmm. this, this movie is clever in a way that it doesn't like beat you over the head with what's going on. It's like, you got to pay attention and, you know, and, and kind of soak up the scene to figure out what's going on. And you have to pay attention because they're long and you know, you might miss stuff. And if you're just like, Oh, let this be over. You're going to miss everything that this movie's about. Yeah. And I, I love like what you say by that, like it, it being it, being too clever it knows that it's clever um but it's not it's not boastful about it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there are some films that think oh yeah we're so clever um that we're just gonna make things confusing or we're so clever even though the thing that they've done is is rather uh rather obvious but right. in in a way that you wouldn't expect type thing like there's another film we'll talk about that that i do think is that it's that it thinks it's more clever than it actually is so i think and what's nice too is not only does it know it's clever that gives you plenty of things to look at and see to still enjoy so whether or not you in partake even in its cleverness there's a lot of other things that you're still going to be like wow that was fun i enjoyed that whether or not i i got it yeah um so we move next to this is where joel edgerton no no this is where they meet up he meets up at the fox yeah now it's all now he's got his familiar yeah well the the, the story goes into the cave right and the fox joins him in there yeah which i love i love that shot of him in the cave because he uh arthur uh referred to him as being uh cleft from his sister's womb and there's a nice little shot of him basically looking like he's in a womb because everything is dark around yeah. and he's yeah. you know like I, and obviously you know it's see shots like that i've seen we've seen before because we mentioned birth um when we were doing under the skin um and a very similar shot set up there so and I, I like that they actually did refer to wombs earlier in the in the film so that this is very clearly that type of thing like this is where the you know, the character is supposed to start growing from here. Yeah. Because now here's the fox as a guide. And I think you see him grow just in that scene alone because he, the fox shows up and he throws a rock at it and wants to scare it off. Fox comes back and he's like, well, come on in if you're going to be here. Yeah. So it's like, it's just even that little bit, he, like he's, he's already gone from one interaction and kind of now he's, I don't want to say turned a new leaf immediately, but now he's starting to like come around. It's just like already he went from throwing throwing rocks to now inviting it in. I also thought like uh, when he was trying to start the fire and he just kept trying even though the rocks were wet and it wasn't working. <laughs> Dude, I was he, like, what a doofus, And man. he finally gave up on it. I feel like that was also him letting go of a little bit of arrogance as well. Yeah, that could, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. I just thought it, he was being a fucking idiot. Yeah, I was like, like, well, he, was like he was like, like blowing up the rocks. <laughs> yeah. like, that's not going to fucking work, dude. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> yeah, and I saw it more as like him just being incompetent at, yeah, his, at sure. his job. Like, yeah. I, 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 I think it's funny that it's that it's both. It's really him like uh, maybe understanding that he's not as good at his job and also just straight up not being good at his job because yeah. he doesn't understand what he's doing. Yep. Yeah. This is this is that's just a like just a like, nice little this there's so much to say in also, that little thing. The the fox sleeping next to him is adorable. Like I did a little physical aw like when I saw yeah. it happen. Yeah. And the guy next to me odd too. Oh yeah, well, not surprised. Yeah. I, I odd, but I was actually like awing at the the womb shot, and everyone else was like, "Oh fox!" I was like, "Ah, oh, not no, I'm not bored of you." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm a pretentious film yeah. nerd. I don't like, care about cutesy like, CGI animals. I'm here to I'm not here to watch yeah. Pixar movies. Yeah. I'm here to critique a film, not look at a dog. Yeah, I'm here to be full of myself. I'm not here to enjoy things. 
So then it <laughs> just a little bump there, man. So this new system. Yeah, you're getting used to the new equipment, man. It's okay. There's gonna be the little. You're gonna get some bumps and bruises along the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, now they move. Uh, they're traveling through this like big valley. It's not really a valley. It's like a big. I don't know. There's so many beautiful shots in this. Sort of this like rocky area. Yeah. It's kind of like mountains on either side. So I like guess maybe just, yeah, like foothills. And then that's when you see the giants, which I knew from the trailer. I had seen that. That was yeah. And, and and that's part of what got me hooked. I was like, and I think that's part of what might be deceiving to people who go see this <laughs> and are expecting something else because they his interaction with the giants is not at all what is played out in the film. I think. I it, it fortunately it played out as much as I wanted it to because I I didn't think like if you including something like that was going to make this a completely different story. But yeah, I do. I don't feel cheated necessarily, but like, I don't understand. Like, I think that was yeah. like, uh, like Essel. Like I think that, that, that looked very clearly to me like Alicia Vikander's face, but I have no idea what any of it means. No, no idea. Why were they there? Okay. Why did this scene happen? That sucks because I was going to be like, Calvin, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Please? Because no fucking this is, clue. This is why I don't want to do it right now. Like I, I like, <laughs> I, I, like I, I want, I want people to go out and see this film so that maybe someone else can explain this to me because yeah. I think, I think it's more, it's one of those things that you're going to have to think of more as a mental landscape. Like it's, yeah. This is this here would probably be better suited to a Jungian interpretation. Maybe it's because, yeah. So I guess I got, I got an be, idea. Oh, okay. okay. So I'm maybe open. it's him once again letting go of his arrogance and realizing that maybe other people are bigger than him. Because when he was leaving and he was talking to uh, what's her name? Um, Essel. Essel, and she was saying and she was trying to explain to him like like you know let me be your lady and all this stuff like that. I'm also important in your life and he's literally not even speaking to her. Mm. because he is so overcome with like self like what he needs to do with his own self maybe this is these giants aren't even real it's just a vision of him seeing Essel as a bigger person than what he is maybe that that's more important than what he's doing they like there are more important things than just him in his life okay yeah. no i like that i also just a, came up with that right now yeah no, that, I, I love it no, I, that's I, good. I think it, i think it's a val- it's i think it's a valid take because i don't it's hard to say that it says anything else from I don't find a, a lot of other nods to it in the film. There's no talk of giants. No, There's never. no talk of like, um, you know, even like something like uh, like uh, Loki's birth origin story, how right. he was like, you know, like maybe his mom is part Aesir or uh, part Vanir, like Loki's mom is in the in the myths. Yeah. And then that's how you get to tie in that maybe he's like part giant, but like. I had a different take on it. Um, so he asks, he's like, perhaps you would let us like ride through the travels through the valley on your shoulders. And then the giant turns around and reaches for him and he cowers and like ducks away, even though like he's just asked for help. Yeah. And this thing is like, it, it seemed to me like reaching out to help not to fight. So I thought maybe because I think there's, like I said, there's a theme of him like failing these trials. So I thought maybe it was a trial for him to be courageous and be like, you know, like, and trusting, and, you know, and trusting, and I think so. that like compared to like the the whole Green Knight thing, like he doesn't understand like what the other person is doing. Like yeah. he's still just putting out like his wants and desires, and not understanding how he really fits into things. Yeah, that, that might that that I think that that's really good. So yeah. I I I had a theory, a working theory, going throughout this movie, and it, it gets dashed when we get to the the kind of the following sequence with the. Joel Edgerton's character. Yeah, the I just, Lord. I just want to share my theory real quick because it, this theory doesn't make any more sense. So I thought that 
these kind of trials were like maybe nods to other sort of fairy tales because this is it, it the, the film starts out being like this is not a story about king arthur and him pulling a sword from a stone and this heroic adventure mm. and so it's already set up to be like this is not the story you're expecting it's a different take on kind of your hero's quest and so i thought all of his kind of interactions these trials were maybe like weird takes on sort of fairy tales so i thought when he first meets the scavenger it was maybe like a a weird take on robin hood and his merry men robbing someone mm. and so the scavenger like represents robin hood yeah and and they're gonna they're gonna like do justice on uh garwin and then i thought maybe when he he climbs into the bed uh um winifred's bed yeah I thought maybe it was like, oh, maybe this is like a little three bears nod. <laughs> and like, he's like, oh, I found the comfiest bed. And it's a kind of a different take because instead of her like freaking out and like being like, get out of my house, she's like, I need your help. And she's like very understanding. And they have this completely different interaction than uh, you'd, you got out of like the three bears kind of fairy tale. And then I thought the giants was uh, like, a, what, is it Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah. yeah, I want to say James and the Beanstalk. It's Jack. I, I kept I kept trying to word it in my head. I was like James and the Giant Beanstalk, not Peach. Peach. Yeah, Jack I'm, pretty and sure yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Hobbs and Shaw and the Beanstalk. Yeah, that's it. Like it's Calvin, <laughs> Calvin and Hobbs and the Beanstalk. You, you forgot the best spinoff of Baz in the series <laughs> of all, <laughs> the fairy tale. And so I thought I thought <laughs> maybe Peach. And so I thought maybe it was a different take on having giants. Where in in Jack and the Beanstalk, it's like he's. Like doesn't he tries he's trying to like slay the giants or whatever? He's trying to steal the golden egg. Yeah, he's trying to. He's yeah. He's he's, he's, he's doing not, wrong. Things. He's not getting along with the giants. Yeah. And in, and in this iteration, he's like asking for help from the giants. And then that's immediately done because I have no idea how Joel Edgerton's the the Lord. I have yeah. no idea how that works into this theory at all. So, but this that's is what I was only, thinking throughout okay, this. And so, this is the only one. Those other ones are not in the uh, original poem. This the the castle with the Lord and the Lady is though. So those those things that have been added very well could work like that. They could be um, basically other trials taken from from other fairy tales and then given a moral implication for for a next quest. So I'm, I just thought maybe it was back a, you up. I just thought it was like maybe a goofy theory, and I was yeah. like, oh, that'd be kind of neat if it's like oh, kind of kind of like weird nods to other stories that we are aware of in the collective unconscious. Yeah. But, oh, uh, but they're that, but they're that was used accurately. Thank you, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're told in a way that uh, subverts your expectation, or it's it's a it's a retelling in a, a, a different. Uh, it's told in a different context and it has a different outcome. That's what I was thinking, and you know, like I said, it doesn't really fit in with the kind of the ending or the kind of the mid mark of the movie. But I'm glad you guys didn't shoot me down on that. No, one. yeah, I was like working. I was like, I'm this kind of neat. <laughs> always open for the theory, yeah. for theories, man. I did one thing about the giants. I love when they spoke. Mm. Or just like, oh, and it was such a deep tone that can't be understood by humans. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I did like the sound design of it, and then when when the, all of them were singing, that was that was nice. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I agree with the sort of sound design behind them because it starts with like you said a low tone, and it's completely juxtaposed by this like yeah. kind of really, really nice harmonic like singing between all of them. It's like it's much higher. It's very very melodic, very peaceful, and it sounds like something you wouldn't expect out of Giants, especially yeah. after they set it up to kind of have a like a deep sort of inaudible tone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do. That, 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 kind that, of menacing, too. Yeah. yeah, That aesthetically is a great scene, but I think the 
I think a lot of people are just gonna be mad because they're gonna see a giant in the trailer and they'll be like, "Oh, I can't fucking wait for the giant scene." Yeah, and then it's like it's it's like a giant's harmonizing together, yeah. and people are gonna be like, "Fuck this movie!" Yeah, like, <laughs> they're they're literally like a chorus of angels. And yeah. that's like like all you get out of like I like wrote I was like Jotunheim or like and then it was just yeah. like oh more like Jotun choir. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, they, I I like the scene, but I. I I'm with you guys. I don't really know what it means, and and this is a yeah. Like, I think we said this is a, a, a rewatch to yeah. to pick up everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll probably watch this movie like twenty times. Yeah, just for like now I'm just gonna. Midsummer. Yeah, I can't stop watching it. Oh, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, for now that's just one of the ones I'm just gonna enjoy and leave it as what it is because it, it. I think, yeah. you know, sometimes a leaf is just a leaf. Yeah, we find out that dude. it's actually not a leaf, and then we have all of the answers, <laughs> and then we can go off in crazy branches and yeah. then build the whole tree. But for now, yeah. it's just a leaf. I think. Right. I, yeah, and I said that just like in our spoiler free thing it's like this movie can be enjoyed just on the surface it's it's beautiful to look at and there's enough there's enough kind of obvious narrative in it to keep you interested and the characters are great so this can just be a scene that's just looks good and it's just interesting to see it's one of the few i feel like is that way you know i think i think the other one the subtext of all of the other ones is a little bit more obvious than this one yeah i i totally agree so calvin can you talk more about um, the lord and and how um Alicia Vikander's character plays into that. This was this is sort of where I got lost in the in the sauce here. I was not tracking. I agree with all you. The way, I was a little bit um, what was going on because uh, she showed up and I was like, "Is this literal? Is this is this actually happening?" I I wasn't all the way tracking on it, and I and I I just I I'm going to refer to your expert opinion on this one. Okay, this is where um, the it ties back into like everything between him leaving. And uh, leaving the Arthur's court and getting here is stuff that Lowry made. So now we're getting back to the original poem. And in the poem uh, that the game, it's it's literally stated that it's another game. Um, and one of the things that uh, the, when the guy complained about, like, oh, I can't even read it. It was uh, it was an exchange of winnings, which is which was pulled, lifted directly uh, from the poem. So. The, he says it on the second night. Whatever I, the forest gives me, I will give to you as long as you give me everything that, anything that you gain while you're here. I instantly thought that he was going to have to jack this dude off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you weren't that far off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Well, then that, that's why he kisses him. Yeah, I, I actually, I wasn't tracking because uh, Garwin even says back to me, he's like, what could I give you that isn't already yours? He's like, I'm in your house. Like, this is all your shit. Like, what could I, what am I going to give you? And even the whole time he's staying there, uh, the Lord is like, he's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go hunt and you rest. I'm going to just keep hunting. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, he's doing all this providing for Garwin and, and Garwin's like, well, what could I possibly do in exchange? I actually thought that, um, he wanted him to sleep with, uh, Essa. Yeah. I thought so too. That way you so have to she, him up. she is lady. That's, oh, that's her that, particular. Okay. Okay. It okay. is Alicia Vikander, but it is not, um. What what was her name? I'm sorry. Essel. 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 Okay, I said yeah. that wrong. Essel. Um, okay, see, that's what I was confused by because I thought maybe it was like this, like this kind of like double cross, like maybe a, uh, like she was pretending to work in like a brothel, yeah. and then when she asked She's him, like, actually, and yeah. then she was like, "What if I was your lady? Like, would you accept that?" And if he had said yes, she'd be like, "Oh well, by the way, I'm a I'm like a I'm a queen, bitch. Like, and you accepted me even though I was like a you know just a." just working in a brothel and I was in the slums. And so I thought maybe it was going to be like kind of a, like a gotcha moment. Where you're like, Oh, you didn't accept me when I was just a, a prostitute. Look what you're missing out on. So I guess it's good to know that that was not 
the same character because I, yeah. I was like what? i mean i know her hair changes but it's a fantasy movie you can change shit like hair and stuff I, that doesn't bother me i'm gonna be honest with you right now i did not know it was the same actress until this moment <laughs> no, it's definitely her yeah so so in the original poem what happens is um she he's uh like basically tempted by her um throughout his stay like well how about just a kiss and then so he she kisses him um and then he returns the kiss on this on the on the next night um the garment do they say it's he has like because he needs to arrive to the green night by christmas day when he because he gets knocked out after the giants he like falls down a cliff and then he wakes up and in their house right with the Lord no, and Lady. no, he stumbles through the uh, the wa- the the rain and then walks into their castle. He stumbles and then he eats the mushrooms and then right, right, trips, that's when he's yeah, and sees the right. green knight and then the tree there. So um, they they kind of recover him and take care of him, and he's worried he's overslept and he's missed the date. No, no, no. he wakes he up only on the twenty first. Yeah, he only slept through the night. That's what I'm saying. But his character is worried. He think and he, right. Yeah. He yeah. thinks he's not as far along as he is. Yeah, and the Lord's like, "Don't worry about it. You're pretty close to the Green Chapel." And, and he like, knows yeah, about the date is. that he needs to yeah. be there. And so, and we'll get to why he knows that. Um, so, in the original poem, um, the that first that garter that sash whatever. Uh, isn't wasn't made by uh, Gawain's mother, so it was given to him here. This is the first time it appeared in the original poem. So he she tells him, if you uh, wear this, then you won't be struck down. You know, you won't you won't be uh, uh, susceptible to a blow of any kind. Um, and so I want to say it was like two kisses in the third one. Um, he basically leaves on the third night. He leaves for the Green Chapel, and then when he gets to the Green Chapel, well, you skip Jane's favorite scene in the whole movie. No, I'm just talking oh, okay. about the poem. So, oh, oh, okay, okay. So gotcha, gotcha. we'll we'll talk about the the poem because it's very brief, and then we'll go we'll we'll have to go off way further than that. Because okay, perfect. It's it's very it's very confusing what's going on in the castle, and it's so much fun. But in um, so I won't reveal like the final final thing but uh yeah. but then he goes and then he goes to the green knight and that's where um we'll talk about that when we get to the beheading thing so let's talk about like everything that's going on in the castle right here because what the hell <laughs> yeah dude what the fuck happened yeah th- again this is this is a part of the this is a this is a part that is like i need to rewatch because i think there's a lot of the movie that you can grasp but this is just, i was just like oh my god like because again, like I said, I, I wasn't sure who's literal, who's, uh, is this a vision? Is this like, is this some kind of, is this a part of his mushroom trip? Right. So it's like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't too sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems like uh, the reason I thought that the Lord wanted him to and sleep with the lady is because, because he's like, you just have to give me anything that you have while you're here. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe it was like, Maybe they couldn't have children, and he was going to use him as a means to get her pregnant. To that way, and then in exchange, he has to he has to give anything that he's he's gained while he's there. And so the only thing he's gained while he's there is would be this child. And so mm. that would be like the exchanges. That so I didn't realize that there was like many like homosexual tension until later on. I uh, I wouldn't call it homosexual tension. That's straight from the poem. Oh, okay. Well. It, that's I mean that's just more of a custom of them exchanging kisses. It's more it was more common back then than it is now. I think the way it's played in the movie is not. Yeah, I thought like I thought that uh, Joel Egerton like wanted 
to bang him because he says he like he says to him he's like i think if he's like i know what i want and i think if i tried i could take it and it doesn't seem like a that scene is to me is not played at all it's like all right farewell here's my here's my goodbye kiss it yeah. seems like it's very there's a very i think there's sexual tension in that yeah. scene i don't think so. it's quite as much um i'm not going to look at it quite from a Jungian perspective because it's from the poem like it is like he's questioning you have something to give me um it's not it's not sexual in nature as much as it is uh, a, a knight shouldn't have taken that in the first place mm. and if he's not going to return it there's an there's another level of unknightly behavior that he's engaging in and yeah he does kiss him and it's 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 a little bit more dramatic than i would you wouldn't i would imagine it would have played out in the poem but i i don't think that it's it's quite the same thing i guess because my my only context for that scene is the film i don't right. know the poem so to me it's a very it's a sexually charged scene to me. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's we can. I thought their whole relationship was sexually charged. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't catch it till till yeah. the, till the kiss, and I was like, okay. But that's well. Calvin's fault from you know the lighthouse and make me view things that way. So <laughs> I mean, everything is a penis. Did you miss all of the other? No. <laughs> I mean, what are these microphones? <laughs> Dude, I was literally gonna say that he beat me to it for two seconds. <laughs> I mean, I've always got dicks on my mind. <laughs> Um, so Jane, do you want to talk about your favorite scene in the movie? I don't even know what fucking happens. Like, so the lady shows up. So the lady shows up and he's in bed and it's the second morning. Yeah. So he's been given the, the book and, um, the kiss and he's also been given the photo basically, you know? Yeah. We can talk about the photo after this. Cause I, I want to know more about that or I want to sure. at least discuss it. And so like, uh, she's saying like, you want it, you want it or whatever. And she's. I mean, she's slapping his baloney. Yeah. And then, I mean, then there's just a puddle of splooge on the little the little belt thing that's supposed to protect him. Yeah. And she's like, you're not a knight. Yeah. Because she let me jerk you off. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> just gross, dude. Yeah, I was like, I can't think of a, a movie where I've actually seen... Oh, that's because you haven't seen Don't Breathe One. Yeah. He gets stabbed in the, like, in the mouth with a vial of... Come, no, remember we talked about this. Um, we talked about this when we did. <laughs> yeah, when we did Lighthouse. Uh, remember we were talking about um, when oh, Wake, octopus, when Wake the is on the top of the goop. lighthouse, and and yeah, that goop comes down, and you you describe it as a fat wad. <laughs> and I said Calvin attended the fat wad class when he was in school. So this is another fat wad scene. Yeah, but I'd never like seen it quite so literally portrayed before, and You're in not a wrong, sexual, actually. in like in a sexual sense. Yeah, you know, like, versus it was like, like the apparently very violent. Yeah, yeah. what disgusting? We even talk- Don't watch that movie. I mean, yeah, you you further reinforced my original opinion. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. We we have a review on the fountain we're going to put out and there's kind of a scene that kind of seems to be a figurative form of semen and it's much more palatable because it is yeah. not as literal <laughs> this yeah. is very literal uh, yeah this is this is fucking this is baby gravy yeah, just on his belt it's frosting oh but, yeah that that's clearly like but i do love what you said it, it's like it's another because this is supposed to be kind of him maybe getting better at being a knight and it's, she's like oh you're no knight like 
a and real, she, a, a she night wouldn't even have let asks me do that. him, and she even well, asks he tries him, like, turning it down multiple times. Yeah, but, but a real night asks, would like, continue to turn it. Down. Yeah, exactly, and that's the whole point. Calling back to the whole game with the night, yeah, with the green night, like it, it, a real night wouldn't have done this because they would have understood what the game is because they would have known the proper behaviors. Yeah, and but I, I do love how she like has the the little bell too. Yeah, and it's not that scene specifically, but she's like a night, an, a real night, a night doesn't know love. It's like no, you know, basically like disavowing the, his entire relationship with Essel, yeah, which is projected onto her because she's the same actress. So that's that's what that's where you get the the sexual tension. Like oh, I can forget Essel because here's the better version, a real lady too. That's yeah. not a whore. Yeah, yeah, and just yeah, and again like I, you know, I this is someone else's man. I love someone else. I mean, I'm sorry. This is someone else's woman. Uh, I love someone else, but you know, I can, and I'm a knight. I can forget all of that because yeah. I'm just a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it, it seems like he's going to turn a new leaf and it's like, ah, dude, you still suck at this. Yeah. He <laughs> um, okay. What do you, what do you think of the photograph? What is it? Well, cause it, it kind of, it sort of shows up later. Mm-hmm. Is it, in his memory, is it, is it literal? I mean, like, I, I, I think it is literal. I think they, they that she just. Do you think this whole section is literal? Do you think this whole sequence of the his interaction with the Lord and the Lady is literal? Based on the poem, yes. Okay. I I do think it is literal. I think it's weird, um, no doubt. But another reason why I think it's literal is some more world building stuff. We we'll get into the deep stuff. Is that that the blindfolded lady? Um, fucking creepy is i think his mother so i i don't know i so we we sort of didn't even mention this during the scene where the before the green knight shows up there's like a ritual taking place with um, yeah so you ha- mother yeah well, at the same time it's being intercut with uh arthur's speech at just before the green knight comes in yeah and it it almost seems like what they're doing in this ritual is what is summoning the green knight. And, mm-hmm. and I thought the way it was set up, it was set up really ominous. And I thought, I thought maybe it was set up as a way that the green knight was going to challenge King Arthur and was going to try and kill him. Cause maybe the mother has some vendetta against him. Cause it's still early on the movie and you don't really, you're not really introduced to like their relationship yet. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I thought it was. And so then when Garwin takes over and he's like, no, I'll do the challenge. I was like, Oh no, like the mom's plan is backfiring now. And, the sun's going to be cursed or something like that. It ends up not being that like I was totally wrong. But uh, during that whole scene, Garwin's mother is blindfolded and she's writing this like kind of note out that the green Knight's going to deliver to King Arthur. Um, and then that kind of uh, that same, uh, like you could maybe call it a motif is represented again by the, the other woman in the Lord and lady's house. Yeah. She's blindfolded the hotel. And the reason I think it is his mother is because she's actually repeating, she's actually saying the words that Arthur is saying. So I think she, there isn't some way like through her witchcraft, she's either controlling or sending messages to Arthur. I thought that too, but then it's kind of never revisited in in the film. So I wasn't sure. But except for the night where, where, um, uh, Garwin shows up and Arthur tells him that he needs to go on his quest he catches them, uh, the two of them, his mother and Arthur talking. Right. And I think the whole thing, I think the whole thing is set up as a test for Garwin from his mother. I think so too. I agree with you. I was you. just thinking, yeah. I guess I just didn't, I just didn't catch the, 
Because it does, it, it she's writing down what King Arthur's saying, and it almost seemed like she was basically sending him what to say. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think that that was like literally revisited again, like that she had some kind of control over him. Yeah, I but, I, but I get what you mean. I, yeah. I do think that the whole movie, it, it, I, I totally agree. This is some kind of uh, contrived test for him, and mm-hmm. I think that his mother plays is like the main uh, antagonist for that. Um, yeah, which is funny because like like there is one scene where she comes into the into his room while, while she's uh, the old woman and just you know gently rubs his face in a very motherly sense. And that's why I do think it's his mother again. I also think that's probably why the lady looks like Essel is if there's some sort of witchcraft shape shifting thing going on. It's here is the object of your affection placed in a in uh, as someone else. And how will you as a knight react to a better version of something? And will you act honorably um, right. knowing what you do have and what you can and cannot have? Yeah, there's an interesting dynamic with the mother, especially. So like you said, I, I agree with you. I think this is a, a test set up by her. But she is the one who gives him that sash that kind of keeps him invulnerable to strikes, mm-hmm. which you said is not how it starts in the poem, but in the movie, he gets it before he goes on his journey. Mm-hmm. It's given to him by his mother. And so it's almost like she wants to send him on this quest, this this kind of way to test himself and become a knight and become a real, like, it, 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 it's sort of like a coming of age story. Mm. Um, but she still wants to send him off with like training wheels, like. Okay, you can go do this, but like, I'm not willing for you to get hurt. You know. Oh, I don't think the sashes actually does anything. Uh, I thought it was okay. just I, so. I thought it was like a what are the pills called when you a placebo? Placebo. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. I, that's I could, what I thought. No, that's yeah. And 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 we can get into that more at the end when we have yeah, that's theories on mm-hmm. what it is. But but I just thought it was interesting. It's like because I do agree that this is her plan to send him off on this, but she also kind of gives him like a failsafe. Yeah. So I, I, it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's like a half measure, you know? Yeah, Which yeah, I think exactly. it's weird because she seems like a full measure kind of character, so. Yeah, but at the same time, it's um, that it, it functions in two different ways. It's also representative and symbolic of, um, of promises and uh, how one should comport themselves. And then it gains even more meaning. Um as it gets like when he when she does jerk him off and it's covered in cum now it's literally something that it, you were supposed to keep this because you kept I thought we were a fancy podcast where we said like semen and masturbates or something no we're just we just we're just very upfront with it yeah right, i mean rip, yeah man. why not i mean i'm pretty sure i said splooge earlier <laughs> you so, did okay. i mean i could call it a fat wad if we really want to class it up i thought that was the i thought that was the, <laughs> that the term. terminology <laughs> sorry let me let me add that know. to the, the 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 list of words that i'm I, sorry i cut you off <laughs> no you're fine though but so yeah so so here's the 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 sash that he's supposed to keep a promise for it. he's supposed to keep it on because it's given to him um it's supposed to keep him safe and then when it's covered um in his own semen it literally becomes um a symbol a, a belt of shame and guilt and which is which is why he keeps it on the whole rest in his little dream at the end is because he he can't he can't let it go he's so concerned with his self-preservation that he would la- rather sit with his guilt and his shame wrapped around his waist as evidence of it being a dirty rag wrapped around his waist i really really like that interpretation yeah, me too. Of it. um so i think with that i'd rather build on move into the end well I don't, before I, we move okay. on from there i think the i think the entire 
the, the most important uh, part of the entire film is the lady's speech on the first night. So after um, after uh, the Lord returns from hunting and then tells him his game, uh, the, the lady gives a really long monologue talking yeah. about yeah. reds and greens and it's one that I need to rewatch because I think that's, I think that everything right there is, is what the film is trying to say. Cause it talks about how red is the beginning of lust, but it fades and it turns green and green, um, is the color of the earth. Cause he, he mentions how the green knight uh, didn't bleed green. Um, he, he bled red and he's not of this world. Well, yeah, but green is the color of the world. So why so, would it be? Yeah. I will say this about David Lowry. So, like I've said, I think a ghost story is one of my favorite films. There is a, a big kind of exposition dump in the middle of that movie to kind of really let the audience know because it's it's a very, like, it's stark in terms of dialogue. Your main character in the movie is a dude under a bed sheet dressed like a ghost. Like, there's not, it's a lot of the film is just told through, like, observation. And... There's a big scene where just this kind of like hipster dude just kind of explains basically the plot of the whole movie because I feel like David Lowry is like okay maybe this is too too smart and maybe maybe we need to let people know what this is actually about and I sort of got the same vibe from that it's just a big bit of dialogue that gets delivered and it's it, it I think it's done in a more clever way in this because it's more in the it better captures the context of the story Whereas I think in a ghost story, it's kind of, it's very literally, I'm literally telling you what is happening in this it's movie. It's more plot device. Yeah. In in this movie, it is it is a lot of dialogue, but I think it's 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 told and it's done in the same kind of language that we've been used to in this film. And it's done in a way with a, a character that we're kind of established with now in that in a ghost story, it's like literally just a dude who shows up at a party and starts like just data dumping on you. But I still got the same vibe. I think maybe David Lowry was worried that this is, this movie is a little too heady. Let's kind of try and explain parts of it you know yeah and i think this is it, to me it felt more like a wake speech at the end of the lighthouse i i think that the entire film uh the, a lot of the interpretations of the film are right there in that uh in uh his his speech as he's getting buried and this one went on a little bit longer um and but i th- but i think like yeah too what the difference might be between um, this and I, uh, a ghost story is that it's not necessary. It it does create another level. It it gives you more hints of what interpretations he wants you to get, but um, it would work just fine without it. But oh, she is just so captivating. And that's such a long, slow zoom on her the whole way without any cuts. That's what, like I had mentioned at the beginning like this this movie is worth watching just for these long takes there's like i still think i like uh barry cogan's long take the best but this is probably my second best long take yeah it's just a it's very well written it's really well delivered it's just a it's a captivating scene like you said this is a this is this this movie is not like a stark on it's like kind of great bits of dialogue so this, I just have a quick question. When we are introduced to the Lord, is he wearing like a fucking bear costume? Yeah. Yeah, or okay. at least yeah. a helm. Yeah. I was very confused for a minute there. I was like, did I just see that right? Was that dude? So was that, that, bear? that bear thing popped up and I was like, I was like, I fucking nailed the three bears like fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, Papa Bear. <laughs> I was like, yes, I fucking nailed it. Like, and then it continues on, and I was like, okay, nope. Yeah, I just instantly thought of Midsummer because I think I've watched that movie too much lately. Yeah, now you yeah. see it everywhere. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but whenever like when we record, um, I find parallels between the two movies mm-hmm. or the two or three movies that we talk about. Yeah. It's just like, like how we're going to do interstellar later tonight or, you know, later yeah. this weekend. Like oh, I, found, I found parallels movie. between like interstellar and vivarium. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Yeah. Vivarium. Yeah. Is I, it vivarium? I thought it was vivarium. I was a vivarium. <laughs> I was saying I like, all kinds of funny ways. Yeah. I like week. saying vivarium just because, um, it's probably, I mean, it's, it's Latin based. It'd probably yeah. be vivarium, vivarium. Um, in a Latin, I'm gonna sense, say it like an, but I like an educated American. I'm just gonna keep saying vivarium. Yeah. Which shout out? Uh, that was um, and I always like to kind of reiterate this throughout our our recordings is that was a that was a fan comment that we we got it and it was like okay we'll shuffle our schedule like we'll watch it and so we're like yeah, we're recording please, and we're gonna throw that on so yeah, yeah if again, you want a deeper new take on whatever film that you love or hate yes that too we will we will do hate shows. Um, we'll hate you for it, but maybe we'll get a few laughs out of it. Yeah, we'll do what uh, what's his name, Aaron, Aaron Chambers. Said. Yeah, he's like if, Aaron if Chambers. You, if you hate someone, tell them to watch this movie. So if you hate us, tell, tell us to watch the movie you like, like you like least. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll review it. So I, I kind of derailed it, but I always like to reiterate that. So we're we're gonna do an episode later on. This is just a comment that we got, and we mm-hmm. we shuffled some things around, and we're gonna record that and throw it up. I'm very excited for that one, actually. Yeah, I'm excited for the the, the discussion. Yeah. Okay. So, back to Green Knight. Yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he is leaving. Is that was is that where we're at now? Is he's leaving? Yeah. Pretty much. I'd say uh, there's probably some other small stuff that we can pick up on in the the house, but I just as far did, as Lord we, and Lady, it's just it's like it. it there's just so, so much, much going on. There's so yeah, much so. there. It needs. I need. I need another take. Yes, at I least felt a another, little bit lost through throughout the whole thing there. Right? Yeah. And and even me, like even like if you think that I even have like Calvin. yeah, like well yeah yeah you you're saying like I had like a, a good a better take on the on the sash like yeah. I mean that's I, that's about as deep as I can go. I feel like there's so much more going on there that that there's a lot to the film in that that could be that could be gleaned and yeah. it's really deep. No, I like I like your take on the sash and it kind of being this belt of shame that he wears and it stems from that moment with the lady. And I think that that carries like really well into what happens in the end and like kind of this sort of vision he has of his own future. Well, right, yeah. right up to the fox. Right. Because yeah. the fox even says like, that's not what the, uh, she, and the fox even says it, that's not what the semen around your waist says. Um, also, is the fox the same voice as what the Green Knight uses through uh, King Arthur's wife in the beginning of the movie? Because I thought it was very similar, if not the same. Ralph Ineson? Oh, you, you're not talking about the character, but necess- but the mod module the the modularness, like yeah. how it kind of shifts and things. Yeah, like yeah, I kind of I kind of felt the same way. Like it was either either a design choice by the the sound team, or it was meant to evoke the same vocal qualities as yeah. as a voice projection by like from a witch. So we've talked about his interaction with the fox before he goes to the Green Chapel. He gets in a uh, a little boat heads down the stream which is kind of funny cuz i sort of thought it was a it was just a trick that the uh, scavenger was using to use the the creek as kind of a guide to get to the green chapel mm. but it ends up actually being like how he arrives there and when i say like pause your movie 
take a look at the frame and then that's something you can hang on your wall that image of the green chapel like surrounded it's like overgrown Dude, it's surrounded beautiful. by the woods like that is the epitome of like pause it, take the take a screenshot hanging on your wall it's a beautiful shot it is amazing yeah. that's, so many shots there like when he yeah. first walks in there's a him in, standing in the doorway which is him there's so many he's like silhouetted shots. yeah so there's good. so many shots in doorways and ha- to have one that's overgrown like that as a continuation from the rest of the film you know stylistically was just really nice like this is the journey and we've always been at the the doorstep of the next thing and now we here we are presented with the final challenge and this is my favorite scene of the entire movie like bar none yeah no this is clearly the yeah the climax of the film not only from like this character's perspective but just the narrative in general like this is where you get the culmination of kind of all everything he's gone through i mean my favorite thing about it is when he's just sitting there waiting yeah that to me was awesome so i like i like that this is the climax of the film because we'll talk about interstellar later and I think the climax of that film takes place more towards like the, the middle. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like there's like twenty minutes, twenty twenty five minutes. Maybe not left. the middle, but there there's there's then a, a, a there's then a lot of the movie. Not a lot, but yeah, maybe twenty thirty minutes still to go. But your real climax of that movie happens like not at the end. The climax of this movie takes place at the end, and it and it, it it ties everything. It, it fits everything in really well. Yeah. And I think it's done really well. So. Uh, like you said, I like that he he basically uh, Garwin sits with the axe and he's waiting. The Green Knight's just sitting there, like sort of on this kind of like yeah. overgrown like His throne. Eyes are just slowly starting to open, and which I love. It it makes it seem like it, it, this guy doesn't do anything yeah. all year except go out on Christmas to get someone to be a part of his game and then yeah. he waits that next year and then the sound like we what you had mentioned earlier of him just kind of waking up and like the yeah you hear the wood creaking and snapping and yeah it's great the sound design surrounding him is to me it, that makes the character more than the visual does and yeah, and absolutely. to go along with the sound design um the voice actor uh, or i don't know i don't know if he's in the prosthetic I, I i sort of doubt it but i imagine he's huge he's a massive person is he yeah he's like six three six four at a minimum, Ralph Innocent. Yeah, Ralph Innocent. Yeah, dude. and it's you like an inch or two taller than me. It's not that big. You had mentioned he's in the witch. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't witch. I didn't realize that when when we were going to see the movie, you're like, oh yeah, it's the same guy from the witch. And I was like, oh my god, like I love his voice. Of course mm-hmm. he's in this because it, it, like I said, like the sound surrounding this character is what makes this character so great to me, and the voice and, and the creaking and the 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 heavy footsteps is what really makes this character feel like real and like ominous and it makes everything he does purposeful and the voice behind it is just amazing ralph Innison is great he's great in the witch he's great in this and i don't know how involved he is like in the prosthetic or out of it but just his voice alone like carries this character so much to me yeah and he does it's wonderful like everything about it i just yeah. love yeah i love too how when he wakes up is it christmas already good night yeah it, it, i got like like jolly old Saint Nick vibe. I was gonna say that. So yeah. yeah, like like him sitting there, it's almost like Father Christmas. It's like um it's like Garwin is like waiting for a present. It's not really a present, but he's he there's anticipation. There's this 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 like, oh, you're staying he's staying up all night, sitting there waiting for what's about to happen, which is the same thing kids do on Christmas night. You know, you you wait to see what Santa's gonna give you. Yep. And I don't think this is like an allegory for Santa, but I mean, I, he is at the foot of a tree, though. Yeah, but I do love that he um, he does kind of sort of embody that. It, it gives that same kind of persona of like awaiting. It, there's just all this anticipation surrounding it, 
and there's just in our society, there's all this anticipation surrounding Christmas. And this is just told in a totally different context, but it's like the same feeling. Yeah. He's like sitting there like, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just think of that like, I, I was just thinking of Hugh Jackman in the fountain. Like, yeah. right. Yeah. Like, ah, there's like obviously two different attitudes um, at that moment from Hugh Jackman finally being released. I was going to say, and, one is a relief and one is a, a absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, it keeps getting up. Like, is this, is this it? Is this all there is? Yeah. Now time to get to chopping. And I, yeah. I just love that he said that. <laughs> That's when I was talking earlier about Sean Harris has some really good comedic bits. And then uh, Essel, she has some good comedic bits. And then I was like, well, I was like, later on, Green Knight gets his yeah. gets his jokes. And yeah, he, he has some just really funny little little lines. And again, these just feel like they are natural to the character. They don't feel like it was like forced dialogue or something that like, oh, the studio wants more laughs here. Like, make something funny happen. I don't happen. even think the humor is made for laughs necessarily. It's just It's there. just so, because it's yeah. so weird and out of place that yeah. it plays off better as humor. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he says get to chopping, I was like, I got a good chuckle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think the the big crux of this scene is he is now, Garwin is now going to get the blow that he delivered to the Green Knight. And so he's told to kneel and he, you know, exposes himself and he's trying to get ready to be killed. And every time the Green Knight goes to swing, he, he like, he cowers and backs away and he keeps saying like, wait, 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 like, what is this even about? And the Green Knight does like, does it even matter? And it's just, he's, he keeps trying to kind of squeeze a little bit more life out of this moment mm-hmm. because he knows it's going to end for him. And that's when I think you get into the, I can't, this is what I would describe as like, uh, to me is like the first ending where he kind of has the vision of this is his future if he runs away. Yeah. And so he does, he, he cowers and he's like, oh, I can't do this. And he leaves and he goes and he becomes the king because he's the next heir. King Arthur doesn't have any children, so he's he's the heir after King Arthur dies. Just fucking blows off Ezel. Which I wonder if, I wonder if, I don't know if they say explicitly that King Arthur has no heirs. They, that's that's fun. That's something that we'll talk about in a little bit because he does mention that's why um, Garwin took the seat next to him is because the prince wasn't there. Yeah. So I the reason I think that this is maybe kind of tips you off that this maybe isn't real is because Garwin ends up becoming the king after King Arthur's gone. And so I wonder if, like, in his own vision of this kind of fantasy future he has, he's the one who becomes king, even though, like, in reality he might not, he wouldn't be? I think I think it's open enough to interpretation that he could be. The, right. The, it, 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 was, it was vague enough that it could be that the, the prince was killed or abdicated his throne. Honestly, I think he's the lord. Um, in the castle. Um, Ooh. Oh man, I like that Fuck, a lot. That makes a lot of sense, Calvin. I like yeah. that a lot. And so that's that's part of why uh, it it plays out that way. Is then him? If I if I how would a king act, or how what what kind of king would I be if I if I went through with if I just left? I would uh, get my lover pregnant, pay her off, which was you know throw the coins on the terribly bed, sad scene which actually goes back to the beginning when he threw a coin at her when he's chasing after her in the brothel and it falls in the dirt and like because he, he's trying to get her to stop 
Yeah, because he wants another. He wants another go. Yeah, and she's like, you know, she's like, uh, she says, like, I'm going to church. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he throws the coin at her, and yeah, you're right. That's like reminiscent of that scene. It's like he just dumps a lot of coins on the bed, which is it's it's all stained and soaked in, in her afterbirth, blood. and yeah. it's just like it's and she's crawling on the ground. I like that scene a lot. After she's given birth, she's holding the baby, and the baby's now been taken away, mm. and you just hear her like, the camera's not on her. You just hear her audio though. It's like she's. You hear her like slapping the floor, crawling, and she's crying out, and she's like mm. in pain. Yeah, and it that goes on for like a little while, and it almost sounds like it's sort of like she's going through like childbirth again. I almost thought it was replaying audio of the childbirth mm. because it just had the same kind of like m- moans and tones to it. And then the camera cuts back to Essel on the ground crawling, trying to get her baby back. And I was like, this is tragic. I mean, yeah. even like right after she gives birth to the baby, it just cuts to uh, cuts to the guy, and he's just standing there. Just, oh yeah, Garwin is like yeah, no emotion on yeah. his face because he knows what he's about to do is wrong. Yeah, and like, also, but like at this point in his life, he's already made a decision that he's not going to be a good guy. Yeah, he's he not. No he's choice. not the hero of this story, even in this own his own like future that's playing out. It's like him him abandoning kind of his end of the bargain in this game. Yeah, has led to him kind of living this really dishonest life, and he's just going to kind of commit to it and be a part of it as this sort of story progresses. And I love, I love the scenes that take place because there's like no dialogue at all. At all. And I thought yeah. it was amazing. That it yeah. Wasn't. I thought it was, it was very strange. It was very out of, out of place to contextually with the rest of the film, but it didn't for it sure didn't suffer for it. No, it, and it, 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 it benefited for absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. think it, it's, it separated itself to let you know, like once, once we come back and realize that it's all basically been, um, his vision of 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 what he would be if he were to uh, act shamefully again, again, um, that that it's all just that their thoughts. That they don't need words. Um, it's one of the few times I feel like a flashback type thing worked, and it worked really well. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's like so in the moment when that scene was taking place, I thought that this was actually happening. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh fuck, this movie. It's like this is. This is a character like not realizing his character arc, and and I was like, okay, like it wasn't a letdown because, I I it was a letdown because I wanted him to realize it. It wasn't a letdown in like because it didn't make the movie bad, but it was more of a letdown because like I wanted this character to evolve and become what I thought he could be. Yeah, you wanted full individuation. Yeah, and so once you kind of realize it's this sort of flash forward vision of what he thinks it is, and it makes sense that this is not sort of filmed it's filmed differently than the rest of the movie like you said it seems out of context but it makes sense once you realize it's not actually happening Hmm. and so it makes sense that there's no dialogue it makes sense that that kind of the sound design is a little different it makes sense that um this character is is acting the way he is because it's not actually happening and it it is out of context with the film but it fits because it's supposed to be out of context because it's not actually happening yeah also i thought the makeup was great here he looks way older yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, both like, both him and Essel, I thought it was good. Yeah, yeah. I was worried that it was going to be. I, I I assume there's some prosthetics and then a, a good amount of that sort of sort of CGI just kind of smothered on there. Yeah, probably not CGI. They can, they can do a lot with just like latex. I thought Essel at the end it looked a little little CGI ish. Yeah, Garwin looked better than Essel. Yeah, did, for sure. I mean, it's easy to throw in great with beards. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's yeah, fair. I think we. I think we automatically turn the clock on someone 10 20 years when we see a little bit of gray in the face yeah 
Yeah, so I, I just, yeah, I love how that scene plays out. And then it gets to sort of the culmination of his vision where his his city is going to war with someone. It's, you know, it's it's vague. And mm-hmm. they've breached his city and they're taking it over and it's they're being bombarded by, I assume, tribuches and stuff like that. And he realizes that he's going to die. And that's when the sash kind of comes back into it. And he's pulling it out. It's it's through like a hole in his the garb he's wearing. Mm-hmm. And there's this like really disgusting slimy sound as he's pulling it out. It's almost like at this point it's become so a part of him that it's like it, it's like yeah it's it's he's literally removing part of himself to come to the acceptance of that he's gonna die. Yeah, I almost saw it as as by the sounds I saw it as seppuku, you know, like ritualized suicide, pulling out his organs, oh shit, yeah. disemboweling himself because nice. yeah. that's what it looked and felt. Like. Yeah, that's that's good, Galvin. And and you're totally right because at the culmination of him pulling it out is where you get this kind of very visceral scene where his his head then falls off, his throat is like slowly slit. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Scene. And so I, I kind of like to think of it as like maybe his head was chopped off, but because he was wearing the sash, it didn't come off. Yeah, yeah. so I don't think that's what it's yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah, and I just think it's great. <clears throat> it falls to the ground, and and then I want to. We can go back at the end. Oh, we. I'm gonna do it now. The he gets the child from his lover, doesn't marry her or anything. He ends up marrying, I assume, some other some other lady of the court. That was actually that was actually the same character that played Winifred. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought oh, so. Okay, I yeah. couldn't even tell. She was even watching the same movie. She had had, had a lot of like kind of Queen Amidala makeup on. And that actress has a lot of freckles. Yeah. So I thought. She had freckles. I thought that when they get married. It was the. That dress she was wearing was dope. That's what I. Okay. So that's what I. Yeah. The doilies. I want to talk about the costumes real quick now. Because I. Well, maybe we should wrap up like. um, Okay. 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 Yeah. Because the. Because. So. I don't. I don't know. I think I kind of wish that the film did in there with him. With his head falling off. Because it's just a fantastic. Very undoing of of hero stories, mm-hmm. but um, when you get to the end, um, in the original poem, uh, the Lord actually reveals Himself to be the Green Knight, and that's why He says, and He what He does is He actually just nicks him on the on the neck, and this is because you didn't give me the sash, you didn't give me everything that I was owed. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> but still, like He's showing him mercy that he didn't need to show right that wasn't shown to him and that's why it's it's thought of as a as a a christmas game should reflect christian ideals uh, of mercy huh, and that's okay. why it ends that way is why some people think um here i'm not i'm not as sure about i think it's actually arthur is the green knight yeah wow okay that's something because he, um, and the reason he says, you know, well done, son, or well done, boy, or like, it's, so it's either, it either is the Lord again, but I, I do think that the Green Knight in this film operates more as an archetype. It's, it's, it's almost a collective unconscious of everyone, or it's, it's, it's really just the, the collective, um, either of his unconscious or it's all of these other characters, his, uh, the Lord, his mother, the lady, um, Arthur, um, Arthur's wife, all of them embodying, um, the green Knight as, uh, witnesses to his journey to knighthood. I thought it could maybe be who he could be. Mm, I like that too. I was thinking as a representation of 
his best self. Whereas the future vision or whatever is representation of his words. The green knight is a representation of of his best self. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I like both these ideas. I, I love getting I love sitting down and watching a movie where it's it's a it's a good enough story and it has an ambiguous enough ending that you can form your own opinion on it. Like, yeah. I think I've said it a hundred times. It's like I think what makes like any kind of media you consume so good is it's it's your interaction with it that you make it you make it very personal to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, like I, you know, I mean, I, I, I think I tend to agree that it's this is a like him at his worst, and then it's kind of the reveal that this is not his actual future. Yeah, and he has a chance to change it. Like he's he's played it out in his mind's eye, and this is not what he wants to do. So then he ends up going through with like basically getting him himself killed by the Green Knight because he's gone through this kind of vision in his head, and he. He is about to get his head chopped off, and he goes, wait, and he takes the sash off. But this time he does it, I think, in a different way than he did in kind of his flash-forward vision. Absolutely. I think one of them is like, I have no way out of this, so I'm just going to die. The other one is like an acceptance of death. It's taking off the sash literally, but it's it's metaphorically interpreted completely differently. I think it's played out in the scenes completely differently. Yeah, so I thought, like, when I saw him rip off the sash and toss it to the side when uh, when he finally accepts it, when he thinks the Knight's about to chop off his head, that's him tossing away his fear, or the way you said what the sash represents earlier is, like, he's throwing that away now. His shame. He's getting rid of his shame. That's not who he is. That's not who he wants to be. He's just tossing it to the side now. And it's an allegory of of Christ basically giving shame and guilt to Christ who would forgive. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. My next favorite bit is, uh, it's just a little bit more comedic stuff. So the Green Knight, you know, he throws the sash off and he's like, okay. He's like, good job, little knight. My little knight. Does he say that? And then, uh, I'm not sure, but I like it. Yeah. And, and then he, let's roll with it. They kind of have like a nice exchange. And, um, cause the, it's finally, this is the, this is why I said I thought that the ending was kind of losing me because I wanted him to kind of realize himself and what he could become. And that sort of flash forward where he's selfish and kind of living with the shame and he won't take off the sash. And that's a part of him now. I was like, ah, oh, this movie's kind of losing me. It's, it's a fine ending, but it's not what I wanted. And then when it goes back and he accepts that he's going to die um, and there's this nice exchange where the Green Knight is like, oh, good job. Like you did what I wanted you to do. Yeah. I wanted you to accept this. I wanted you to move past this. I wanted you to evolve as a person. And then he goes off with your head. It's just another yeah. comedic bit. Like, yeah. And it, again, it like, I know it's like, it, it, I mean, he was literally going to have his head taken off. So it's funny for that, but it's just the way it's delivered. It's just, it's just a funny little mm-hmm. bit. And, and I love that they're just, it's sprinkled into the film enough that there's some funny stuff in this that, cause it's such a heady, serious film most of the time. And to have like these little nice bits sprinkled in it, like makes it like so much more palatable. Yep. Cause it can't just, it can't just be this dour failure movie the whole time. It's got to have something to kind of uplift you a little bit. I think, mm, I don't think it necessarily needs that. Um, uh, for me, it does. For me, it makes it better. I That's think, what I, mean. I think it does make it more fantasy, more, um, an undoing of the the typical story for that reason bringing in humor elements but but i also don't think he dies at the end so that's why it's funny yeah yeah so are we are we done with our theories i'd say so Theory yeah theories. i mean we could talk about honestly we have like recurring themes like i have a theory now about the him saying his tooth hurts 
Okay. Yeah. Just think about all of the the long awaited tooth fear. Yeah. Just think about all of the recurring times we mentioned bones and we see skeletons. Yeah. Uh, especially like the mother at the very beginning when they're doing that ritual, she takes out like jaw bones and stuff to mm-hmm. use in her concoction mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. But we see, uh, we see Garwin's skeleton. We see that skeleton in the cage. Winifred's skull in the um, in the lake. Um, it's just, it's 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 clearly everywhere and so i think that's it's very intentional and goofy at the same time it's meant to be goofy so it sticks out uh even more so right that, which is sort of like why i feel point. like i don't understand it because it feels like outside the context of the movie which is why they stand out but i was like what what does this mean what does it all mean i, I almost <laughs> wonder if we saw the green knight's mouth a little closer he's maybe missing a tooth oh man that's oh a good, man that would be great no, yeah that would that, be would, that would be great um and then obviously on, a, on another rewatch, we need to go back and look at all the colors because um, uh, the lady talks about how l- uh, lust is red and then green comes in to fill uh, the void with, with like real love. And when you walk, um, when you leave, your footsteps will be filled with, with grass and green. And um, so all of those, there's, there's like a red light that uh, actually descends on at the beginning when the green knight first comes into uh, King Arthur's court. There's a red light that shines over the the hooded um, confidant, the one with the with the uh, runic. Yeah, I almost symbols thought he was eyes. like some kind of wizard, like kind of. Uh, yeah, like his own little Merlin. Yeah, that's sort of what I thought of it as some kind of spiritual uh, confidant that he has. Yeah, who like he recognizes that this is. I think he's Merlin now that you said yeah, that. That actually yeah. makes a ton of yeah. sense. But right. I did notice that there was a light change on his face specifically. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's to signal to us that there is a lust game, a lust power, lust reputation game about to be played, right. and he realizes that, and that's why he exchanges looks with Arthur, and that's why Arthur knows why the game is supposed to, how the game is supposed to be played, and that's why he asks him. Right. Um, and then the other thing too is just the 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 how we compare so many pagan and Christian things, like when. Uh, uh, the scavenger jumps on the um, the uh, I can't remember the the term anymore, but he jumps on the shield um, that's of uh, oh. uh, Ma- Mother Mary. I love the look of that. I love that they painted that onto it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. It's just the aesthetic of this film is amazing. Yeah, and that's actually also reflected earlier in the film when you have um, the witches performing their ritual, and then you also have uh, the Christian priests performing their ritual with the with the sprinkling of the water over what looks like the shield. Um, I think with the Mother Mary, I wonder if it contrasted at the same time. You kind of see that represented again um, when um, Garwin lays down the axe uh, when he gets to the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like a stream trickling down these steps from the throne that the Green Knight's laying on. Yeah. And it's like you see spatter of water on the axe. Over the axe. Yeah. So I wonder if it's like it, it's that same kind of reoccurring theme shows up there as well mm, yeah kind of like I this maybe this because i so i caught the axe thing but i didn't realize like why i think it's like another that makes sense like it could be another representation of like holy water spreading on something for you know a, a spiritual purpose and yeah it, it, it like reoccurs again I, yeah i i i, I did i notice things nice. yeah <laughs> I, I watched i watched the movie but so if you if you were going to do a rewatch or if you're gonna if you've just decided to listen to this whole thing without seeing any of this film those are the things that you should look for on your next watch because i think there's an even deeper level than what we've gotten here to 
talking about this for two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah this absolutely. Is, this you is guys, surface level. Yeah, if you guys notice anything and you want to leave comments about it, like please do. Yeah. Like, that'd be awesome. This is a, I think this and like Lighthouse, I know we did a lot of Lighthouse, but we still talk about it. I, I have no problem doing like another, a re-review. Like this is definitely something I know I'm going to watch again. Yeah. Oh so yeah, for I, sure. If mm-hmm. at some point we revisit this, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely game for that. Cause this is I would leave my go see this again. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely down to go see this again because I, 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 when we do these, I, I generally will watch the film at least two times if I hadn't haven't seen it before, um, because there's there's so many things to talk about, you know. There's yeah, and so this many is things to be learned. Yeah, and this is again, this, this is not a kind of episode we do all the time where we watch a movie and immediately review it. We like it's I mean, hard. I don't yeah, want to do this all the time. It's easy on things like Black Widow. That was easy. Yeah, honestly, this I, was pretty, is, I was pretty drunk for that one. So it was very <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> this is this is a difficult one because yeah, I feel like there's so many things that we could have picked up on that we didn't. Um, I mean, I, th- I feel like we picked up on quite a bit of stuff, but there's probably just so many things that we missed, and that I mean, I'm intrigued by that. That makes me want to watch this movie again. Absolutely, and I think that's what makes movies like this fantastic. Mm. All right, yeah. So I think we're about ready for ratings on this one. Yeah. So you want to give a shot here, Calvin? Yeah, I rate this on a scale of green spooge belts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I like that. We got a we got a winner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jane. How many how many spooge belts do you get? Ah, this? man. I mean, after another watch, it watch it may go up. Uh, I don't think this will ever go down. I'll give it an eight point seven out of ten. That's really good. Yeah. That's, that's for a movie that I think we only are hitting the tip of the iceberg on. That's yeah. like, that's really good. Yeah. I might agree with you. I, yeah. An in tip tip bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good. <laughs> uh, I, I would rate it lower just because and it's not because it's a, uh, I can't understand it. It's just because it needs another watch. And I guess maybe that is a bad way to put it. Cause I, I think it, a movie can be good on like one watch. Yeah. And the fact that I need to rewatch it means that it's so good that I want to watch it more. Yeah. So, I mean, having to rewatch this to give it like a real rating isn't, I'm not going to hold that against it, but I just like my initial thoughts is just, I think the pacing could have been better. Um, that's like, that's mostly the real knock I have against it. And again, it's not like a detriment to the film. This film isn't unwatchable because of the pace, but I just kind of wish it sped up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think I'm just, starting to like the slower movies. Right, yeah. They they know what they are and how this to it's communicate starting to kind better. Of piss me off a little bit, Calvin. And it's your fault. So. I, I know. Well, yeah. Welcome, welcome to. Well, maybe maybe soon we'll stop doing Marvel movies. They get a lot of views, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I I like the big tentpole stuff every once in a while to be like to, I like to contrast these films. Yeah. To because like we we compared this kind of to Black Widow because we recorded that in the same fashion we watched it and then we recorded on it and that episode is completely different than this one yeah yeah and so it is nice to it is nice to still watch something stupid yeah, yeah. and it and is talk about like, it. i remember just like watching i was watching the Shang chi trailer or in the theater i was like man i really want to like that movie but fuck <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that movie is held up on just it's pure like martial arts yeah because i, I think so i'm hoping it's like an it man like just level of martial arts which yeah. is so cool to watch yeah but well, like with like alien ring technology yeah. that would be that would be really fun uh and i'd be interested to see that because it does did, like the i did like eight mon yeah mm. which is good for marvel so uh, i just think that 
yeah, I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to say I expected more out of this because I went into this expecting almost nothing, but, uh, I, I think I need it. I need another watch to bump this one up any higher. So I'm going to go seven spooge belts. Mm. So I have a hard time oh, about what, sorry. One other thing we, we didn't really touch on this at all. The score I think is good in this. Yeah. I was hoping for it to be more robust. So I'm, I'm a big believer in, uh, a score should either be incredibly iconic, like Star Wars or something like that, or something that I barely notice to make it great. And this one, I didn't notice it that much, and I think it, that's just because it plays into the movie so well. Yeah, it's like if it if it is fits in so well that you don't notice it, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. But if it's so good that it like is almost stealing the scene, then that, now you know that you have a really grand score, which is something I think I want to. That's how I feel about Interstellar. Yeah, we'll get into that when we talk about it. Which is fine. Yeah. But, but that to me is an example of a movie that has a, an outstanding score. This is a movie that I think has a good score. And yeah. it's almost because it, it fits in so well with all the what's taking place in every scene that I don't really like. It, does, it If it's not taking away from the scene, then I think it's good. Yeah. Which is, we talked about I Am Sam and that score is... Fucking awful. That score is distracting from yeah. the film. It's unreal. It makes me really. hate the movie yeah. more than I would have without it. And this this absolutely doesn't do that. Um, I I was just expecting because I think in a ghost story that score like really builds up the film. And I just I know the director and mm. he says he works with the same uh, the same um, music. He's not really a composer. Okay. He he. he um, I I mean I suppose any kind of artist musical artist is a composer. They're composing their own uh, musical content, but. He he does like his own stuff too. He like releases albums and stuff. So he's not a composer in the sense of like Hans Zimmer is like directing an orchestra, like a producer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so he uses the same guy, and and I just I thought this was going to be more robust. So maybe that takes a little bit away from me, just because maybe I had an expectation there. But I still hey, I think seven's seven, a good I think score, seven out dude. of ten. Yeah. And, and and I agree with you. This is seven out of ten. With it only has the option to go up. This yeah. movie is not going to become worse to me. Yeah. yeah. So for me, um, there are so many things that really satisfied me from uh, a filmic perspective. Um, so many great frames, really sharp eye for detail. Um, the the long slow takes. I just we don't get enough of those anymore. Um, with everything's just cut, 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 fast, fast, fast. And uh, I like how it worked in at some places and others it didn't. But I love how. So many of these, like like you were saying, they they work as like vignettes almost, like little little tests, little um, reimaginings of classic fairy tales. So so for me, with just with just everything that this this film was, we just don't that we don't get enough of enough people making films like this. It's really more like a nine point one. Like it's Ooh. it's it's wonderful. I don't think it's to me. I think uh, the lighthouse is probably um better i don't remember what i rated the night the lighthouse but yeah I like see, that's about other things I, like I don't remember what i rated any I li- other movie yeah i like <laughs> so this like i would put the lighthouse at like a 9.5 calvin rated lighthouse lighter than uh, higher than us which you'll hear it we we have a fountain review that's going to come out and um it's 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 rare when uh, calvin is rating stuff higher than us there's a couple there's a couple recordings we have coming out where this is just another one where you're, you're rating stuff higher than us which is yeah, so odd I because you I tend can, to just hate everything that I, we review i have my heart is so full of love <laughs> for, for things that aren't shitty <laughs> yeah. I, I get it um so yeah no it's 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 nice to 
here you have nice things to say about a movie because it's usually just like, oh, why, why is this a thing? Why is that there? And I know, right? I, I can't honestly like looking back at like so Calvin it's, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how I, dare you I was mock practic- my Squidward? I was practicing it. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought I was like, is that an echo? That's a point five scar, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wouldn't, oh. I wouldn't, dude. I wouldn't be a good host, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing my craft, you know. <laughs> I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be practiced on, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I don't have bad things to say about this. I don't have criticisms really because if I go back and maybe it, the 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 pacing feels kind of clunky, maybe that's something I can say about. But I don't. That's what I'm saying. That's the same for me. It's like it's like it's a it's like maybe it's bad yeah. it's not even like it's bad it's, it's like maybe it maybe it could be better and it's it, like and it still works the way it is yeah and that's with respect to the whole when you pull apart each piece each piece works so well and then when you put them together they still work i don't know if they work they will work as well as i think they do on a second watch but if each piece works as exceptionally as it does then it's a wonderfully crafted film because it's designed to be broken up that way because that's what the title screen cards are for you know i almost wonder how how cool would this have been like say somehow this gets released as like a bunch of youtube like short films and it, it, each each little kind of cut off each little title screen is its own sort of story and they're just released in like little bits like I, because I, I, agree I think with you. that's I think, a fucking wonderful idea. Because that I think maybe I, that we could sometime do. I think that they they all work so well, like on their own, like each little title screen, and then it, it tells its own. Man, story. I didn't even think about it as like little short stories, but now that you put it that way, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think I like that a lot, yeah, dude. I think they could be, and then and then if you tie them all together, you know, if you say you want to binge watch them, and then it becomes a whole movie. But if if like say this is just like a, a small filmmaker who's like just trying to release a little bit at a time because, you know, he's working on a budget or something. I think each bit works so well kind of on its own. And then when it's added into this like greater context, it creates a really great story. But I think you could just do like, I- I'm going to keep bringing him up, but the, the Barry Kogan scene. He did so great in this movie. That, that to me is a, a short on its own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be. Absolutely. We do see him one more time in the movie, don't we? Yeah, we do. After on he his, finds on a his horse. journey back in yeah. his uh, in his uh, thoughts. Yeah, you're right. Which probably means something that we'll have to put <laughs> yeah. down for a second or third watch, <laughs> or a fifth, or yeah. a twelfth. Yeah, exactly. We have so, so many. Why is this not already out on DVD? Now? <laughs> <laughs> just put things to streaming services right away. Yeah, we'll so still go to the theater. We promise. Yeah, we just want to watch them multiple times <laughs> and own all of the medias. <laughs> I think this is a good. Uh, uh, probably a good new segment we can start is a, a re-review. This is a good re-review candidate, yeah. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So, wow, I, I gave it the lowest score of all of us. I think that's, uh, that doesn't, I, I'm usually like middle of the road on these. I feel like I'm pretty high on every movie. I think I'm I'm pretty, pretty much between what you two put yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, I like, think I just like everything. I'm the, I'm the lowest one. Yeah. yeah. I just like. Good film is easy to like though. This is yeah. a good film. I guess so, I gave, yeah. I gave, I mean, I am Sam a two and a half, so. We we all get. I was actually, I was actually I was at four. Yeah, he was higher than me. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is this this weird trend where Calvin is now rating things higher than we? Yeah. <laughs> I just know what I'm looking for, and you guys are to think you know now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are we ready for uh, yeah. what are we watching lately? I'm ready, yeah, yeah.
So I just finished this book called Blindsight by Peter Watts. And you know me, I, I love my science fiction. And this is, um, takes place in kind of the near future. It sort of begins and revolves around this event called Firefall, which is where um, there's sort of this extraterrestrial probes that are monitoring and imaging Earth. And um, now they've, they think they've found out kind of where this entity came from, so they've sent expeditions out. And so you're following a character who's a part of this third expedition. Um, and it's, it is. It's very cool. It's very heady, technical sci-fi, which I love. Um, but it, it's not, it's not, it's, it's almost like a setting for like bigger issues. It talks a lot about um, maybe like mental disorders or disabilities that we, the way we view them now is a, is a hindrance or a problem. This book paints them in a totally different way. So you have like, sort of genetically engineered autistic like savants who are hyper intelligent and they come up with new technology and, and, and they, they basically are like kind of the driving force between like kind of the technological evolution of humanity. There's a character who um, has a split personality. She's split between four different personas, um, but she did this to herself intentionally. And it's that way she can, she can, she's a linguist aboard this crew. And so it's basically she can decipher and interpret language four times faster than a regular person can. Uh, you have another character who had uh, one half of his, uh, one hemisphere of his brain removed, and it was replaced with like kind of a synthetic version, and he can kind of interpret what these like hyper intelligent people are, are trying to put out. And it's just a totally different take on kind of how we deal with disorders and disabilities. It's like this can be viewed as an advantage rather than a disadvantage. Um, it also talks about uh, kind of evolution and, and the nature of humanity. Like we see ourselves as kind of this apex predator and we're not really. We just happen to have an ad adaptation that was just better than whoever we were competing against. And that's why we became, it's described as you're, you're a flightless bird on an island hmm. when compared to the universe. Like you think you're a big deal here. You're only a big deal on your own island. And you're almost nothing compared to what goes on in the universe. It deals a lot with sentience. And what is the value of even being a sentient being? Because they encounter extraterrestrial life that isn't sentient. And it almost views sentience as a hindrance because we're so concerned with ourselves. How are we perceived? How do we act? Um, and, and maybe that's actually an evolutionary flaw. And then to top it all off, there's fucking vampires in this book. What? Yeah, that's awesome. It's incredible. So like, the, I love vampire stuff. God, dude. You just what? You just threw me a curveball right. that I'm not necessarily on board with. <laughs> what I will say is these. I love vampires. These vampires are explained in like a very scientific way. They are considered not necessarily a, a different species than humanity, but like a genetic um, abnormality. Um, and as their evolution progressed and humanity's evolution progressed, we decided to kind of like take on like tools and stuff to modify the nature around us. And so they, I think they call it the crucifix conundrum. Whereas humanity grew and built structures that had right angles and straight lines and geometric shapes and vampires can't comprehend that because that's not how they evolved. And so that explains why a crucifix can like combat them because it's full of right oh, angles. Neat. So it's kind of a, I like that, it's dude. a really cool scientific yeah. explanation behind it. And it's just amazing. I don't want to get too much into it because I, I want people to read the book and I don't want to like spoil too much, but it's just a really cool little bit. All of this kind of stuff is explained in a very scientific way. So it's, they call them vampires, but they're not like, 
your fantasy, you know, kind of, you know, goofy shimmer in the sh- in the sunshine vampire. Yeah. They're like very scientifically explained. And that just like threw me through a loop. I was like, this sounds like a very technically scientifically sound book. And then all of a sudden there are vampires in it. And it just it is amazing. It's a great read. I it's, like that. Yeah. It's Blind Sight by Peter Watts. I absolutely adore this book. It's pretty short too. Um, this is a, not a long read. I, it took me like 11 hours to get through. It. Oh, not bad. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a great read. I a hundred percent recommend. Nice. Well, uh, sports dudes, Jaden coming over here. Uh, all right, all right, I've been this. watching some Olympics. Um, I watched skateboarding in the Olympics, uh, which I think is super, super awesome for the skateboarding community. I mean, I grew up skating. It's a uh, new event this year, right? Yeah, it's first first time in the Olympics. Um, so growing up, everyone has this ideal of who skateboarders are and what they represent, which is like rebellious, you know, pot smokers, fucking teenage kids who spray paint shit and, you know, break the rules, man. And like the X Games kind of represented that. And uh, I think that having the Olympics kind of changes the perspective on that a little bit. Is This is a competitive sport. It's not just, you know, I mean, skateboarding is an artistic uh, activity and it always has been always will be and skaters take anything that they see and can turn it into an obstacle for them which is awesome but to put it into like the way they formatted in the olympics um, i thought was great for the community of skateboarding and i think it's gonna make it more legitimate lie more legitimate than like what it ever has been it's not just gonna be like i mean i watched the interview with a uh, uh, jagger eaton who just uh, won the bronze over in Tokyo, he's from Mesa, Arizona. He did an interview with Pat McAfee, and uh, Pat Pat smokes weed, and so he asked him. Right. He, obviously, he's like, he's like, so Shakari, uh, she wasn't able to participate because of marijuana. He's like, was that an issue with skateboarders? And you can tell on uh, Eaton's face, like, come on, man, like, is this really like how you see us? Like, like I'm a fucking Olympic athlete. Like, I'm it's, an Olympic medalist. We should be dude. celebrating them as athletes, yeah. not not yeah kind and of like, dragging I, I, this i love pat mcafee like yeah. i watch his show all the time but i thought that that question was a little ignorant for sure and it's he like, did like yeah. right after you asked he's like sorry for being an ignorant dumbass there it's like dragging huh. a stereotype yeah which is ridiculous when yeah. it's a fucking an olympic sport and i think that that's awesome and i hope it changes perspective on like how parents see skateboarding especially right. it's like a lot of times see other kids starting the skateboard like hey i don't want you hanging out with that fucking crowd like it's a sport dude and it can be viewed that way and i think it's good yeah, no, I love yeah. that. I thought it was really cool and it was announced as a it was gonna be an event that was yeah. added. I think yeah, it's not only is it great for like that community to kind of change this rotten persona they have for like no reason. Yeah. Uh but it's I also, mean it's not for no reason. Well, but I think lately they're yeah the majority of people getting into it are not like Yeah, I mean Tony Hawk really I mean really changed perspective on skateboarding a long right. time ago with how he like how he made it competitive because it started out as rebellious teens doing like fucking skating in pools and shit. The the idea that this um, kind of ideology or persona of like something that took place in like the late eighties and nineties is still yeah. carried over to like 2021 yeah. is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, these are, these are peak athletes. Yeah. Who are doing, and by the way, shout out to uh, Jagger Eaton fucking won a bronze medal on a broken ankle. That's amazing. I wow. do you know how, watch someone skateboard. It's so much ankle, dude. It's all ankle. It's all ankle, uh, so it's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, I thought it was awesome. Shout out US for getting on the podium for it. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then I didn't read like too many other things. What I, I, I've been reading um, papers on like the original, I read obviously the original Green Knight um, poem, as well as papers that looked at the original poem from the perspective of <coughs> game theory. And game theory is basically the idea that our actions are driven by the 
the our outcomes and not necessarily by the nature of of a being so we act morally not because um it's good in its own sake it's it's good because <coughs> excuse me um it's it, they're good because they produce mutually beneficial actions when i trust you and you trust me there's something created beyond just the, the the level of trust. It's an exchange of information. It's an exchange of goods. It's all of it's all of these things that that are greater than the sum of its parts. And so, how you can look at the the original poem um, and how the game is played is is really interesting because there, in some interpretations, Gawain or uh, Garwin knows that. Um, the the way the game is to be played but he hesitates and allows his self-preservation to take uh take command rather than his knightly duty and so him uh decapitating the knight is uh looked at through this this lens of um you know if if he had just trusted him trusted his word that he would be returned an equivalent blow then it would have been in accordance with uh, knightly duty, and it would have been a reflection of Christian ideals, and um, um, he would have been okay. Everybody would have been the better for it. We would have been; right. they would have been friends, basically. Is like at the in, at the end of the, his little speech, we can part a year and a day from now, a year and a Yule tide. We can we'll part as friends. Could you imagine if this movie had went that way, where he just gave him like a didn't cut him or just gave him like a little nick. And then a year goes by because that year goes by in like two seconds in the film. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and see the green, the green knight and the green knight just kind of like taps him with the blade. And that's it. This movie is four minutes long yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. and much less interesting. Yeah. So, so that's what I've been, what I was mostly reading is, uh, is, is the, the kind of mechanics be- behind, uh, why we engage in behaviors that are kind of counterintuitive when you think about them. Like why even play the game at all? You know? Yeah. yeah. I like that you bring that up and, and I hate to tie this back into my thing, but you had brought up game theory. You were reading a book. I don't know if you remember the title. Non-zero. Non-zero. And you talked a lot about game theory, which I, I don't know much about. Um, I know baby game theory. There's a lot, a lot to be yeah. learned. And this is, this is just the, the distilled version that everyone can understand. So, yeah. So after that, I looked into it more. And then the book I talked about, Blindsight, uh, there is like a basically a military tactician on board. And, and her whole background is like game theory. And it's mm. like all the other crew members interact with her in a way. It's like she's like, well, this is what we should do because it's kind of according to game theory. It's like, well, yeah, but you're basing that off of interacting with a human. Like we're not interacting with the human here, and, is, that, and that completely turns like game theory on its head. Well, actually, no, it doesn't. That's what's amazing about game theory. Game theory actually comes from uh, cultural and biological evolution. We see the the reason that these things um, um, work within uh, human culture is because we also find them at the at the base level organisms. Like why we work better as collectives is the same reason that. Um, atoms became molecules molecules c- came together to form organisms it's because this this share of information and resources is then reflected um in our interactions with other people so it's funny that the book does away with that because it, it actually comes from a lower biological process i wonder if it's maybe because the the main character who is the kind of your military tactician who is applying game theory is being challenged by maybe people who don't understand it as well. And maybe that's kind of the perspective they wanted to push in the book. Cause mm-hmm. maybe the reader doesn't understand game theory very well. Mm-hmm. So 
it gives you kind of some identification with the characters who are challenging it to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would it apply that way? And mm-hmm. that's probably why I said it turns it on its head because I don't know game theory very well. So it totally makes sense to question it. Why would that apply to some extraterrestrial life? You don't know. Again, I'm sorry to steal your thunder. I just thought it <laughs> tied in so well. To- it, it was just uh, another. It was just another bit that was thrown into this book that I think has just so many existential topics in it. And yeah. and I think adding game theory into it and and kind of that understanding is it's it's it, it's just it's so it, it it's a good way to expand your mind. And right. It's, it's, it's like it's the nineties chaos theory yeah. that everybody decided to throw in, like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's it's such a cool concept and just the very vague amount of research i did on it i was like first of all it's like i was like oh my god i'm like getting lost in this but it is a lot of really cool stuff so i'm glad you brought it up i'm glad you keep bringing it up yeah i mean game theory is going to come up again in arrival yeah no you're right yeah but um and i'm going to try and have a more robust section about that because it's mentioned there but the whole thing is is a game yeah so that'll that'll be fun to talk about oh yeah yeah we have a new segment Oh, because oh, uh, you, were you not in the group chat? No, I was. Just my phone is. Okay, jamming. okay, yeah. okay. We have a new segment. Calvin has been giving great, great music suggestions, and I thought it was unfair that he kept using them. And what are we watching lately? <laughs> because it stopped him from watching stuff. But I still <laughs> want to hear what he's recommending. So I wanted to add a new segment, which is this is a uh, Calvin's recommendations, Calvin's music recommendations. Yeah. Corner, corner. It's on a corner. No, I, well, I wrote it somewhere. We'll come with a fancier name, yeah. but this is your music recommendation. What I do you think got? It had it like it's Calvin's music mentions in one of these scripts. Oh, that's much better than good. what I said. CMN. Um, mm. But yeah, that was I also would, come. So if you if you liked the the sound of some of the the folk music in uh, the Green Knight, then I would recommend to you um, this band Mirkur. Um, specifically, how do you spell that, Calvin? Ah, it's M Y R K U R Mirker. Um, she is a Danish uh singer. Um, the and specifically the album I'm talking about is Folkesonga because the other ones are death metal, and this one is um this one is just a folk album, and a lot of people liked it. Um she got more acclaim for it than her other ones and so she's gonna it sounds like she's gonna move in this this uh um direction yeah this direction further on she has a new single out too called the droning elusive um is there can i put a link for that yeah is there a video go for it okay i don't know if there is a link or not um i'll find it but i'm sure there's like at least a clip or something on there um but yeah the just wonderful scandinavian folk music with a wonderful vocalist yeah to just let everyone know i do listen to what you recommended you talked about um willow smith's album lately i feel everything mm. i listened to it I don't love it i just love her voice the, the music itself is simplistic but her voice is, it's is very, wonderful in a punk sense it's because, very teen angst album i think and yeah. it's it's I very mean, she's, she's 20 yeah so and it's very it sounded like early 2000s paramore but worse to me yeah, I like I just, 2000 Paramore. So I just like seeing like her her evolution as an artist, yeah. and that's why it it's not as an album. It really stands out to me as being exceptional. It's it's watching um, an artist go through all of these weird transitions that from genre to genre are wild yeah, swings. Yeah, I will that say you're that. Not gonna sing in anyone else really. I can't think of that many other artists that that like to shift genres like this, and she's doing it all. Um, at the age of 21 now. And it sounds like I'm knocking it. And I was, but 
I, I <laughs> <laughs> but I still I, I I liked listening to it because I I want to hear new stuff because I, I I fall in this I have a really bad habit I listen to the same shit over and over again so when you recommended that you you recommended like Wardruna you said Maximum Hormone who I've been listening to uh, Foxing is the one you recommended me that I love yeah well, huge I, indie I've music been, guys yeah I've been saving Foxing because the new album is actually coming right, out so we'll not say that anymore then. Yeah. so yeah August August sixth everybody yeah get ready for Foxing so I just want you to know I, I have listened to what you have said and while I don't love all of it I do love it, listening to something else. Yeah, it's all, and I, I, I will make a point to that. I'll suggest things that I think are different and unique because that's the reason that I add them to my libraries. I find them different and unique. That's why you get your own segment here, dude, because it's great. I love yeah. it. It is good. All right, and with that, uh, you've been listening to now. This is podcasting. I'm your host Connor, and I have my co-host Jaden. Yee. And former guest Calvin. Oh, thanks for having me back.